Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Popped up, Mercado, DeYoung. It's going to be DeYoung. He's got it, and the Cardinals have won it. Surprise, surprise. Let's get nasty on a Thursday. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. 201. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we have been talking to our guy Brad Thompson, who joins us for the Cardinals Power Hour here to open up the show. That wasn't a very good introduction for Brad. Well, okay, just Honestly, slow down. It's like, slow, slow right? down. It was like an afterthought. Like, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter here, the SAR show, blah, 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 blah. Brad Thompson. And, Brad Thompson. and it is. But, boy, I mean, it could have been nice. I agree. All right, start it again, Marsh. Anthony, I think you need start to take it, another start shot. Start it again. Start it again. All right, here we go. Let's do it again. Places, everyone. You didn't like it. Let's get nasty on a Thursday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and 2006 World Series champion, Valley Sports Midwest broadcaster Brad Thompson. Boys, that felt good. That was better, Anthony. Man. A little fraudulent, but way better. (laughs) A little over the top. I'll take fake. I'll take it. Are you? Uh, Guys. Generally, I come to join you guys on Friday. I decided, you know, with the current state of a, try to hit this after a win. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, after just a dull, uh, way more fun yesterday. How you- uh, we feel good. Can you reset? Because you're. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your lips are moving, but I can't make it out, Brad. <laughs> Brad's having okay, so Brad's Brad is having some technical difficulties here, but he's we're gonna be fine. Excited. He's so excited better? right now. He's back. He is back. There he is. Good, perfect. Really good. Got BT. it. Good, great, grand, wonderful. Everybody on the bus for this Cardinals team, who are gonna come back and win this NL Cent. Okay, let's just slow down. One game though. They probably are. One game. It's amazing, guys. When you get oh, I don't know, solid starting pitching, excellent work out of the bullpen. Sound defensive play. All you need sometimes is one home run, and you win games. It was a big home run. Starts with the starting pitching, though. BT, what'd you see out of Jack Flaherty? Yeah, look, I saw a guy that early on was not in command. Obviously, when you end up to the first three, inning, you, were you, you thinking the start first couple? Yeah, that was about the time. That was about the time where he he struck out Marcus Simeon. It's like, yeah, hot damn, here we go. And then walk. I'm like, ah, that happens. Here comes a little two ball. Walk. <laughs> okay, no big deal. 
everything's gonna be fine here. Walk like, oh no, Jack, no, this can't happen in a time hopper. And then he battled. To me, that's a testament to the maturation of Jack Flaherty, where that could have gone downhill quickly. He didn't allow it to. He made some pitches. It was 29 pitches in the first inning. It also didn't look like a game that he was going to be able to get deep into. But he gets you through six, five in that, three obviously in that first inning, punches out eight, and gives you an opportunity to win a ball game. Add very little room for error the way that John Gray was throwing on the other side. You want to talk about a tough luck loser, yeah. a down and in slider to Alec Burleson, like the lone mistake that he makes on the day, punched out freaking 12. Think about how crazy Gray's stat line is. He was on the nose, and he punched out 12. You know how economical you have to be to be able to do something like that? Uh, but that is the game of baseball, and the Cardinals finally won a game like that they don't win games like that that has not happened for them where everything falls in line from a pitching standpoint anthony i thought that jack has done a good job i, I want to ask you this because i, I want to table the conversation guys with like jack is he the ace they bet on him will he be the guy from second team? let's table that yeah uh but let me ask you guys this question how do you feel when you know that Jack Flaherty is starting on a given day now, like what are your feelings heading into the ball game? Um, they're pretty good right now. Up until last night's start, and boy, through the first couple of innings, it's been uneasy for me. And the reason, BT, is we've talked about it. Consistency. You just don't know what Jack Flaherty you're going to get. But now he's put together four really good starts over the last five games for him. I'm I, I'm ready to put him in the circle of trust to where I feel like Jack Flaherty is going to give you uh, way more quality starts. I don't mean the official quality start, just good starts. Um, then he's going to give you poor starts. I'm putting him in the same category right now as Miles Michaelis for me, which is a big step for Jack Flaherty because I finally feel like even the individual himself is kind of feeling like, all right, I'm pitching a lot more consistently. I feel better. I still feel more confident in Miles Michaelis. On a, on a start-by-start basis. Fair. But when it comes to Flaherty, BT, to your question, my confidence has grown. It has grown over the last, I would say, four starts now. The walks are still killing him. If he if he's not walking the house, if he has better command, BT, as you illustrated, you're looking at him getting getting into the seventh inning consistently. Now, he, he was able to get through six last night, which is good. But the previous starts were saying, hey, yeah, this, this looks like the Jack Flaherty old. No, it doesn't. He's got to get he's got to get deep into games. The only way he's going to do that is if he if he limits the walks. But Anthony's this version six innings is the new complete game. That's true. Yeah, right? I forgot I forget sometimes. My bad. Get with it. But three hits allowed. Again, five walks, not great. But the eight the eight strikeouts. And when he needed it last night, when he needed the strikeout, as opposed to you know previous starts, he was getting the he was getting the ground ball. He's getting the double play. Last night he gets into some troubles. The stuff played. The stuff at the bottom of the zone. The slider couple of huge strikeouts, and he, he gets out of in and out of jams. My confidence is growing in Flaherty. It's just not to what my, Michaelis is at. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, too. There, That would be my, like, one, two, if you're trying to go confidence index right now. Uh, your point, too, on him being able to rely on different things, rely on the bottom of the zone, he did not have fastball command early. We always talk about this with Jack. Dusty Black talks about it. Every pitcher talks about it. You have to have fastball command. You put the ball where you want to, your secondary pitches play off of that. He did not have fastball command in the first inning. 
next inning, he leaned heavily on his slider. He, he leaned on it to be able to get strike one. He leaned on it to get back into counts, and then he leaned on it for some of those strikeouts. And then as the game, he was able to get that fastball under control, really harness himself. Uh, I was watching him in the first inning, and you see him. He made like a motion of like his hand to his head, and he's like driving himself forward. And to me, that's telling me, hey, take your head to the target. You know, he was falling off a little bit. He wasn't in sync, and he talked a little bit after the game about getting that timing right again. Going, and when your timing's right as a pitcher, it feels so effortless. When you are a hair off, it feels like you're throwing up. It's, it really is crazy. And he got back to where he needed to. Last six starts for Jack Flaherty. He's got a two-point array. He's punched out 36 and 35 innings. Anthony, your point is still a very valid one when it comes to the walks because he's also walked 18. I don't think a two-to-one ratio, uh, strikeout to walk ratio, isn't exactly where Jack Flaherty needs to be. A .980 ERA, though, in his last three. He's gone seven in two of the last five, went six last night. He's giving you right now. Now, what I want to see, Jamie, is that circle of trust that you just mentioned. Boy, I wish that wasn't an impenetrable circle. I wish it wasn't <laughs> one where it's like, well... <laughs> Usually two things would just be a line. It's going to take more for a circle, but there's not too many people in the circle. The question is, who cracks that circle next? And when I say crack it, I don't mean who does something bad to get out of it, because I'd rather <laughs> both of those guys just stay in that circle. Who else is going to crack this circle of trust for the rotation? Well, for me, I think it's Montgomery. I think that out of the other three guys, he has shown better pitching overall throughout the season. I know Adam Wainwright doesn't have the innings, uh, the, the same number of innings as Montgomery and same for Matthew Libertor, but just based off of what we've seen, at least at least Montgomery has been there this year. He's been in a spot where you you had some confidence in him, where he's pitched pretty well. Unfortunately for Adam Wainwright, it's been a bumpy road. His last start, uh, not, a, not a bad start, but gives up three runs in one inning. Uh, I'm sure he'd like that back. The rest of it, though, he did battle, and he managed to keep zeros on the board for himself after that. And Matthew Libertor, I think that's still a work in progress. So for me, the next guy into the circle of trust, I would like it to be Montgomery. I think it will be. I'm with you, Jamie. I think I think when you look at the kind of the, the path that some of these pitchers are taking, Math, Matthew Libertor is still a large question mark. Adam Wainwright battled with what he had the other night. If he can give you fifth starter innings, fifth fifth starter stuff, fifth starter, keep everybody, you know, keep your team in the game, I think that's that's what the expectation should be from Adam Wainwright. Jordan Montgomery, there's still more there. We've seen it. He's got a track record. He's not like Wayno where he's at he's he's at the the end point of his career. We're talking about a, a guy like Montgomery. What? You're looking at me like like I killed Adam Wainwright. This Whoa, is this Anthony. is the last Whoa. this is his last season, Jamie. Yeah, as a baseball Don't player. Don't love it. Wipe the stank off your face. Well, me, it's your attitude. For once. My gosh. It's Jordan Montgomery. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Adam Wainwright. Jeez. Is he? Yeah, he came on with us one time. Once. Yeah. He's more of an opening drive guy. Yeah. Although Randy really pissed him off yesterday. Randy? What did Randy do? Uh, He talked a couple of times during Wayno's backswing on the golf course, Mm. and boy, Wayno lit him up like a Christmas tree. Well, how the hell is Adam? How, how the hell is uh, Randy gonna know that? I think he told him literally, "Hey, I'm about to hit the ball," and Randy kept talking. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Wayno, that we can't have dead air as you practice your. You know what, Anthony? Your, your ordinarily, nine iron radio show. I, I wouldn't disagree uh, with that, but you know, Randy's our teammate. 
Got to have his back here. You know, dead air on the radio is probably not all that great, Anthony. You should know. I literally just said that. No, you don't listen. (laughs) I don't listen. I've been keeping this a secret for years, but I think it's finally time to come clean. I don't like your attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Truer words have never been spoken. Okay. Glad you guys got my mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's Brad Thompson that's Jamie Rivers I'm Anthony Stalter it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN we'll continue to talk about the Cardinals win last night including how the Cardinals did not waste a saved save opportunity that has been a bit of an issue but Ryan Helsley came through Geo came through got a little got a little nerve wracking when the ball was in the air though and headed to the fence but he gets it done Helsley gets it done let's talk about the bullpen next on 101 ESPN we're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. Carl's get it done last night. 1-0 victory over the Rangers. What's up? Nothing. Go ahead, buddy. You're doing great. <laughs> I don't look, know why you keep stopping. I look over here. You're, you're you laughing. You put your, you're putting you your arms much, up. Do you know how many dumb things I do every day and you don't even... I do. Yeah. I really do. What's going on today, Anthony? Well, I don't know. I'm distracted or something. I know. You're distracting me. I'm allowing... You know what? I'm allowing myself to be distracted. Yeah. It's kind of like Wayno letting Randy... Ruin his backswing. Very true. Battle through it. Good call. Good call on that. So Jack Flaherty last night goes six innings, allows three hits, does walk five. That's a disappointing part, but he strikes out eight, gives his team a chance to win. And then Jordan Hicks steps up, one inning, one hit allowed, one K, obviously no runs. Gallegos comes in for an inning, and this was an important outing after he he struggled in his last one, and that was the one that, uh, unfortunately, he blew the game to the Pirates. He only allows, allows no hits, no runs, strikes out. One and then Helsley strikes out two to get a save in the ninth, the seventh of the season. I was happy to see that because Helsley, to me, I don't know this to be true, but my perception is like when this guy gets rattled, it's hard for him to shake it. That's just my outsider looking in, body language guy. I, so it's good to see him get a couple of strikeouts and do well so he can start feeling the flow again. Doing the bull dance happy. Yeah. Gallegos. Gallegos gives up the one, the one hit, or not even the one hit, the the one that went to the wall, and Tommy Edmond had a good beat on it. I'll be honest, the corner outfield situation, and I know I'm not saying anything new here, but how many of these balls that are getting down are caught if you got your regular outfielders? Well, Jordan Walker for me and BT, you can weigh in on this more so than 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 maybe Anthony or I, but he's playing deep playing deep and then he's having a hard time getting a jump on some of those balls that are hit out there and maybe that's maybe that's a by design maybe it's a good thing um but again i feel like jordan walker playing a little too deep and alec burleson you know it is what it is whenever he's out there he's just not blessed with speed mm-hmm. it's not his fault he's just not blessed with speed and and that hurts in in situations especially in the corners where if you get something ripped down the line or whatever where you got to cover a lot of ground He's just not able to do it like a Brendan Donovan or a Tommy Edmond is. Yeah, and let's state the obvious. If, you, if Burleson's not in the lineup last night, you may not win that game because he hits the yeah. home run. But BT, can you can you maybe chime in, chime in on that? And I do want to circle back to the relievers with you, but Jamie just brought up a kind of an interesting point. 
do you know maybe if it's by design to keep Jordan Walker and Burleson a little bit closer to the wall, maybe play the no doubles defense a little bit more with those guys so that nothing, not much gets over their head and they just kind of, you know, relinquish the fact that some balls are going to get in front of them? Yeah, I do think it is by design. I think that they're trying to make sure the game just stays in front of them as opposed to things being over your head. It's off the wall. You're chasing it down. I, I think that they are trying to simplify it. But if you're going to have to make some changes there, if those guys are going to continue to be out in the outfield because you, you have too many balls just dropping in there that are good pitches, jam jobs, and especially with Jordan Walker, like you're absolutely right. Uh, Alec Burleson is a professional hitter. That's what yeah. he's going to be. He's going to be a professional hitter. He'll be in the big leagues a long time with the hit tool, but he's not going to be a gold glove, track stuff down type guy. Jordan Walker, on the other hand, is an incredible athlete. He's got great speed, yet he is still learning the position. But I think that that is going to be a part of, of the learning process for him. We spent some swing and learning pitchers and how to get the ball up and all the other stuff that goes into it. Well, a lot of it is also playing the outfield at a high level. And I think that you're going to have to start playing a little bit further for your pitching staff. If something ends up getting over his head, I think that the pitchers would say, you know what, that's on me. I'm the one that gave up a, a ball that was to the freaking track. That's on me instead. I'd much rather have that be times in ball games late where you are playing that no doubles, right? You want to make sure that nobody, nothing is getting over your head. But for the most part, I think that that group might start having to play in a little bit more. Well, fortunately, the one that went to the track was 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 in left center, and Tommy Evan was able to track that that down. I mean, talk about an athlete. I know we've kind of joked about having the infielders play the outfield, but Tommy Edmond continuing to show his versatility. Not that uh, we were unaware of that going into last night, but circling back to the bullpen. When it comes to Gallegos and Helsley, I mean, you're going to have games, BT, where you, you just you don't you don't close the door. But I think in the last time we had you on earlier this week, you had mentioned that. I mean, there's been too many opportunities early on where the Cardinals can save a game, close the door, and and move forward here. And maybe while the record they're still under 500, they're a lot closer to being 500 with with those games as opposed to where they are now. But they get the performances last night. Jordan Hicks has looked very good. What are you seeing? Oh, he's out of, been incredible. What have you looked at? What have you seen out of Hicks now than previously? Well, command one. I mean, he's up there, and again, this goes back to the feeling. And I, I asked you guys about the feeling when Jack Flaherty comes into a game, or he's starting a game now, as opposed to maybe earlier. And I, I could ask you the same exact question about Jordan Hicks when he trots into a game right now, as opposed to his bad stretch early in the season. Before, when he was going through that downturn where everybody wanted him released, he was ball one, ball two, and then he'd leave something over the middle. He'd get hammered. He's backing up bases, couldn't throw a strike. Now you're seeing him in there just confident in everything that he's doing. And, like, the stuff speaks for itself. You you watch it. He's 100 to 102. It's moving all over the place. He's got a slider that he can put in there for a strike. He can also just get on top of it, really hammer down uh, and get the strike out with it but the one thing that ollie continues to go to with jordan hicks is the changes that he's made within his preparation 
of every day of having his routine of, you know, whether there's a lot of things that go into it, right? But it's it's your rest, it's nutrition, it's uh, your when you get to the ballpark, what is your intention? Are you digging into video? Are you doing all these things? Like he is learning how to best set himself up for success night in and night out. And you guys know this. If you do something on a given day and you have some success, you put in some work or maybe you're starting a new routine, you got up early, you did a workout, ate a healthy breakfast and you feel good. You're like, well, hot damn, there might be something to this. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll do this a little bit more often and it becomes routine. It becomes part of your life. I, I think that that's what Jordan Hicks has has done he's put in the work behind the scenes and we're seeing the fruits of that labor in front of everybody as he's out there dominating people i think it's been 10 scoreless outings in a row he's not walking guys he's only got one walk i think in his last five games he's getting his strikeouts like this is a weapon and it was crazy early in the season. It is 10 scoreless now for him in a row uh, where you see the ball come out of his hand and you're like, yeah, that's good, but I can't have you in a tight game. Now you want him in all the good games. So BT, and I understand, look, at the pitchers are creatures of habit. And, you know, Jordan Hicks has finally turned it around. He's very pitching very consistently. Do you, do you see Ollie at any point putting him back towards the back end of the game and closing games? No, uh, no, not, I mean, unless you got two guys that are down, unless Geo or Helsley are down or one of those guys run into incredible struggles, I don't see a reason to do it. But we know this, oftentimes the seventh inning is just as important as the ninth inning. That's why you actually see Helsley deployed there every once in a while as well. So, like, you could see it on a given day where Helsley gets whatever you would call the, the biggest part of the game. Maybe that is the seventh meet at the order he comes in and he mows those guys down the eighth could go to geo and then the ninth to hicks i think they're back to jamie to, to your point they're back to trusting him at the back end of the bullpen uh but i don't think that there's the thought of okay well let's do the quote-unquote closer thing with jordan hicks right now i think they're happy with as many high leverage relievers as they could possibly get we were talking earlier about the starter circle of trust well your relievers circle of trust right now. And I get it. This has been quite the circle. I mean, this has been, you, you think you're in, you're out uh, to use a dunk mm -hmm. when you're in, when you think you're in, you're out, when you think you're out, you're in, uh, <laughs> it's been, there's been a lot of jumping around in that one, but Hicks, I think right now is firmly in that, uh, that circle of trust where they could deploy him in the ninth inning in a safe situation and feel good about it. I just think that they have other options which make him not have to do that. That's Brad Thompson, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. It's our Cardinals Power Hour with BT. We've got two more segments with him. Let's talk, uh, let's talk about Alec Burleson, this offense. He hit the home run last night. That was huge. It's all they needed, but this offense continues to struggle. Maybe we'll unpack some of that next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman 
Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Swing, drive, hammer, deep right. It's an ambush. It's gone. Alec Burleson has broken the tie. It's 1-0 on a lightning bolt to right. Nice. Chip Carey on the call last night. Alec Burleson touches seats, and the Cardinals win. Thanks in large part to a dominant start by Jack Flaherty. Safe for the walks. What a dong. Dominant. Hey, what a dong yeah, on that huge Burleson. Dong. Good, huge good. dong. On Burleson. Timely hitting night. is perfect. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Bullpen comes in, shuts it down. That's all you need, Jamie. Yeah. For it's the easy. S- it's a simple game. It is. You know, for the uh, small ball crowd. I did notice last night that uh, Burley had a little extra chest hair poofed up for that at-bat. If you go back, and I did, go back and look at the at-bats prior to that. Not showing a lot of chest hair. Yeah. Came up in the eighth inning. A little more poof. It's like he went to the Anthony Stalter school of mm-hmm. chest hair, mm-hmm. brought that bad boy up a little bit, and look what happens. Well, Ooh, you're so rugged and manly. Sure is. I mean, Jamie, sports, life, it's all about adjustments. And yeah. If you, if you recognize that you're not showing enough chest hair and you're struggling, well, that's that's on you to make the adjustment. So I think that's one of the better breakdowns that, we're, that you're going to find. I think it sent a message, too. Certainly. I mean, the pitcher's bearing down. He's looking at that, and he sees a little extra poof there. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. So our guy Brad Thompson, 2006 World Series champion, will be on the call tonight for Bally Sports Midwest. He joins us again. Uh, BT, did you happen to see some extra chest hair showing last night for uh, Alec Burleson? Yeah, look, a couple of things. One, technology, not my friend. Uh, Two, (laughs) um. Sure, there was more uh, of uh, the meat sweater hanging out for Burley, and I think that that worked out pretty well for him. Uh, he's feeling the flow. He's doing the bull dance. He's working it. He's he's going two buttons right now, and I think that he's do- using some sort of adhesive to keep it open mm-hmm. just to make sure everybody is seeing what he's doing. Uh, so that part of it uh, I like, and it's working for Alec Burleson. Okay, as we mentioned, it doesn't have to be a gold glover. He just needs to go out there and just hit some baseballs. He didn't wait. He faced John Gray three times. He saw a total of five pitches. He saw three in his first at bat, one in his second, and then that one in his third at bat that ended up being the home run uh, that won the ball game. Uh, but I like how aggressive he is. And the cool thing about Alec Burleson is. You don't have to throw a strike for him to hit it and hit it hard. Like he hits the ball all around the zone and makes great contact. Uh, Brad, and by the way, the Cardinals don't. They're they're off tonight. I had mentioned that BT's on the belly sports. They're off tonight. So BT, don't. I didn't want to send you into a panic. You're thinking, where's my suit and all that? You're, tomorrow you work. 
Valley Sportsman West. No. Yeah, no, I knew I knew that, Anthony. Yeah. I didn't want to correct you on air. It's a rude thing to do, uh, but you were absolutely wrong. Cardinals have the off day today. <laughs> I'll say you guys haven't they're had any enjoy issues with this before. Win. Yeah, yeah, no, they're going to enjoy the win and uh, party hard. <laughs> so, BT, I mean, we talked to, we talked to you about this earlier in the week with with this offense. It is. It just seems like there's just a bit of a, a downturn going on right now with the offense. The one thing I will say, though, and I realize that this is a hot-button issue for some fans, especially when the team is losing, but they're hitting home runs. I don't think every everybody should get in the box and say, I'm just going to try to hit a home run. And I think that's that's what some fans believe. You know, it's, a lo- it's all about launch angles. That's it. No, it's not necessarily the case. Well, you get sent down for that stuff, Anthony. Well, you get sent down to work on your launch angle a little bit. If you're Jordan Walker, then you come back up and you hit a you hit a moonshot. Boy, did he hit that thing! Yeah, down. he did. But Whoa. they are hitting home runs, BT. They are doing that well. Offensively, as you you know, Jamie, you and BT, you were you were talking about the other night. Offensively, they lead. They're they're top five, top ten in a lot of these categories. It's just about consistency. I don't know if there's an answer here, but I'll ask the question anyways. How do you unlock that consistency for this offense? I think you let me pitch to them. I think if you let me pitch to them, <laughs> I think really this would point. unlock a lot of things offensively. And it's something that I'm going to bring to Ollie and see, hey, do you want me to get these boys warmed up before the game? I'll, I'll get that confidence sky high. I feel real good. No, it's uh, it, it really is it's a head scratcher because when you look at the numbers, that's kind of what we talked about the other day. Sometimes when you're putting all the work in, all you have to go back on is like, all right, is, is any of this working? When you're looking at some of the numbers, you can say, yeah, overall offensively as a team, it is working. Uh, but there are also times where, and, and you're right, they're hitting home runs. I think they're the fourth most reliant team uh, via the home run to score their runs. But there are some good teams that are up there. The Dodgers and the Braves are incredibly reliant on home runs as well. They might be one, two. Their Yankees might be three. So, uh, I mean, there's some powerhouse offenses that hit a bunch of home runs, score most of their runs via the long ball. But there are also times where you have to play the scoreboard. And if you play the scoreboard, good things will happen for you. I think about the game yesterday when Nolan Arenado hit the double. Contreras is up. He ends up punching out. You play the scoreboard. I get it. We, you, you sign Contreras to a big deal not to hit a ground ball to the right side. But in that spot, could have used the ground ball to the right side. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Nolan Arenado is not trying to play hero, tagging up on that ball to deep left, out by an actual finger. Um, <laughs> it's It's – it really uh, that was crazy, yeah, right? It was. Replay sucks at times. Uh, I was but a little surprised there, there are times they like that. It. Yeah, it, there were so many different angles to it, and the best angle saw like barely a finger getting touched right before the palm ended up hitting the base. But I was with you. I thought it might be too close, and it wasn't going to be conclusive evidence to be able to overturn it. But I, I would like to see, especially right now with all of the tight games that the Cardinals are playing in, maybe some more at-bats like that where it's almost a give yourself up for a ground ball the other way or, or playing the scoreboard for a sack fly. But you know what? If you keep putting together quality at-bats, you're going to have good results at the end of the day as well. Absolutely. Sack fly. Yeah, Marsh has been twinkle in his eye there, BT. You, maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. Marshall the other day went, I mean, he went on a rant about how the Cardinals just don't have enough sacrifice flies. Like, he's the guy out there holding, instead of like hit a home run, hit a dinger, he's like, sack fly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's on the sack right now, is he? He He is. He was the other day. Yep. 
I think that there are, are a lot of different ways to win baseball games. Home runs are one of them, but manufacturing Marshy, to your point, mm-hmm. is another very good way to win ball games. And if you uh, if you aren't grabbing those sacks when they're out there, mm-hmm. then you're missing opportunities. Is the way that I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well said. That same day, I was rewarded with a sack. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. That night. That night. Yeah. Is it big, was that Goldie's? It was a big yeah. game. Yes. Was it Goldie's? Uh-huh. It was that yeah. night. Was it Goldie's sack or was it Walker's sack? Or DeYoung's sack. Huh. Whose sack was it the other night? It's a lot of sacks. It There's is. only one, though, that counted. Right. That one. Now, are you a sack fly guy? Does it matter what the sack is for you, Marsh? Yeah. Does it have are you to selective be with like your a sacks? run producing? I'm just, a, I, like you said, Brad, I'm more of a let's manufacture runs. Uh, so a sack fly, sack bunt. Uh, you know, maybe maybe not so much the sack bunt, but the you know let's just get the ball in the air and let's drive some runs home. So it's like it's okay. it's it not just Goldie, any man. sack. It's like one that scores a run for sure. Yeah. You guys I mean, want to play the sack to... game real fast? You want to play the sack game? Yeah. Who doesn't? Sure. All right. So this is just sack flies. Okay, sack mm-hmm. flies. Where do the Cardinals rank out of thirty teams? Because I know that Marshy's been hard mm. on on uh, the sack flies. Ooh, I don't, 14th. I think they were in 20th. 20, 25, 25th. They were 20th. They have 13 now, I believe, on the season. Mm. Look at you, Marcia. I've got them at tied for 18th. Mm, so right now. Tied for 18th with 13 on the nose. Nice. What about sack bunts? So the most sacks. The most sacks. Oh, boy. My internet, you know, is not working that good. <laughs> I think so they have to four, that sack right four, four sack bunts. Four sack bunts. I'm, I'm, don't quote me on that. I was looking uh, the other day at the teams that, you know, bunt the most when it comes to sacrifices, and the Pirates were number one. I bet they're bad teams. The, well, the, the, yeah, pirates, pirates, are, the Brad, pirates are number you one. Watch your mouth. Uh, but to your point, Brad, number two was the Oakland A's. So, Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want the 50, proof is in the pudding. You want fifty plus <laughs> losses by not even the mid mid June. You sack you sack bunt a lot. So but, you but, be but good the key it. right the key is probably balance, isn't it? Like you, you try to figure out like when are the best times to deploy that. Right. Most teams in teams are not sack bunting. Remember the Braves last year? I think the Braves actually got their first sack bunt of the season. It could have been in their last game. It was definitely in their last series. <laughs> and they that got guy their got first released. Sacrifice bunt. <laughs> That guy's the, down yes, with Alec Manoa now. It's like, hey, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know the signs. <laughs> what are you trying to be, Johnny? Johnny Smallball Hero? Get out of here! You're done. You'll play with Oakland next year. That's great, eh? Yeah, you're it, fired. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, we're having fun. We're all seriousness. Brad, to your point. Why don't you use all the tools in your toolbox? It doesn't just have to be small ball. It doesn't. It doesn't just have to be the long ball. You can. God forbid you have you, you can you can have a complete offense. Yeah, you know what it is too. It, it's knowing your spot, right? And I think that this is easier for maybe a veteran hitter. But like uh, I brought up the Contreras example with Arenado at second. There are some guys in my lineup that I would just like to bang the baseball. I want to put Contreras in that lump. Now the way that he's been swinging it as of late, maybe I'll take my ground ball to the right side, move a guy over, be productive. Uh, but the hard part of, of like knowing your spots. In large part, outside of Goldie and Arenado and Contreras, it's a pretty young lineup, right? So of knowing when to, hey, let's take my A swing, let's drive the baseball, we're hard hit rate, it's exit velo, let, let's let's crush. And then knowing of maybe a little bit later in the count with two strikes, okay, now is time to shorten up. 
Let's protect a little bit. A guy, a young guy that actually does that with the Cardinals a little bit, and we haven't seen him much, and he's not having as good of a year this year. We see that with Juan Yepes, though. Yepes spreads out a little bit more with two strikes and just puts the ball in play like he's got that concept of what he's doing. I think that's a hard one for a young player to learn of when to really put your A swing on one. And we've seen around baseball, you got guys with two strikes trying to put their A swing on something because strikeouts don't matter. Well, when you're losing games in the fashion that the Cardinals have lost games, six or now seven and 14 with the win last night in one run games, Sometimes you got to be able to shorten up and do some other things. That's Brad Thompson, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. The Cardinals are off tonight before they open up a new weekend series against the Reds starting tomorrow night at Bush Stadium. Let's talk about the outfield. John Mozalock mentioned the outfield a couple of times and, and the lack of production out of the outfield. Did mention the injuries yesterday in that interview with Katie Wu. Let's get into the kind of the roster matrix of things, especially with Dylan Carlson likely on his way back with because he's doing a rehab assignment right now. Let's start with the outfield next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Last segment here with our guy Brad Thompson, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. During the broadcast last night, Chip Carey had mentioned, well, maybe we'll see more of Tommy Edmond in center field moving forward. I, I don't think it's it's that crazy of a comment, knowing that you've got Paul DeYoung at short, Nolan Gorman, unless he's facing most lefties, will be your second baseman. You got Donovan. I, I realize the whole infielders as outfielders, and but you also at what you know at what point do you say these these are my best these are my, my best eight position players and Anthony, just go with that. You literally yesterday or the day before, Marsha, you were a witness to this. You literally, after Ollie Marmol's quotes, were like, "Well, that's the problem. You got infielders playing the outfield, mm-hmm. and now you're talking about oh, they're the best bet. Which one is it?" So we played Ollie. Yeah. And then I said, that sounds like maybe a little bit of a shot at the roster construction. That's what I heard uh-huh. out of Ollie. And now I am saying that you should play your best eight. You're not being um, accurate right now. I don't know how both of them go together. Well, because you said the problem is, is that Ollie's roster, he has infielders playing in the outfield. That's not ideal. You went on a, on a, a tirade, quite honestly. You know, Jamie. Uh, and now today, and, it's and, like it's your best. Oh, it's your best lineup. You know, Brad, you can back me up on this. There, there's a lot of times where I'll hear from people that are close to Jamie that absolutely love him. And what's the one thing they say, BT? The one thing they say is, "I just wish he listened." Okay, that's only you know, one person. Yes, every single time. That's only one person. Okay, uh, well, and that's pretty it easy was, to it, identify. Yeah, very much so. But BT, um, Anthony, <laughs> Anthony cl- you know the truth, man. Anthony clearly did yeah, did not, not like the idea you. of infielders playing in the outfield. I've always said it. Play your best eight. We even did a segment last week talking about how do we really care? Well, you did, and now you don't. Whatever, Jamie. It's fine, Anthony. I'm just trying to clarify your stance, and maybe that's what you're trying to well, set up I the just segment. Did. I just did, Jamie. That way. Brad, you th- I made it up. No, not this thing. I've made a lot of things up, just not this. Brad, do you think we'll see more of Tommy Edmond in center field? 
Yeah, a couple things. One, sounds like you're riding the fence, and you're riding it pretty hard. That's just, I didn't hear the initial statement. I just am hearing you now, and it's like you're playing ping pong with yourself. You're basically Forrest Gump. Uh, But the second part, the second part of it, do I expect to see Tommy Edmond playing more center? Um, Yes, I do. And now when it gets very interesting is when Lars Newtbar also comes off of the IL. Because I could absolutely see Dylan Carlson coming off of the IL. I could see DC playing right. I could see Walker playing left and Tommy Edmond in center field. Um, and I think it's easy to make that sort of a, a move when you've got a guy coming off of the IL off of an ankle injury and say, hey, dude, let's just put you in a corner. Let's limit your movement. And you just worry about making sure that thing stays healthy because – um, in, in fairness to Dylan, I thought that he was playing a very good center field before he ended up hurting his ankle in Boston. But Tommy Edmond does have the range out there. He's getting better and better. He's got more top-end speed. I think that his instincts are better than a lot of the quote-unquote outfielders, right? He's just a really good athlete. So, yeah, I could see it. The question is, when Newt comes back, then what does your outfield look like? We're assuming that when Nude comes back, Jordan Walker is still uh, firmly in the mix. The hope is that he stays, and when if, if he's here, he's playing every single day. So then you're probably looking at it as you know, Newt in center, DC in right, Jordan Walker in left. Now where do you where do you put? Where's Donovan? Where's Edmund? Where are those guys playing? Because I think they're really key contributors to what you're doing. Like this is the the problem is you've got too many pieces and not enough places to put them i wonder if jordan walker then goes down and i know it's an unpopular opinion i'm just looking at the roster matrix here i wonder if he's the one that gets sent back down and then there's a a bit of a mutiny again with your your fan base if not then does dylan carlson become a fourth outfielder so that you can keep donovan and edmund in that ro- in the roster shouldn't, or in the lineup, excuse me. Shouldn't your fan base just want the best team out there? Period. Ah, well, yes. I yeah. mean, like I'm all for Jordan Walker, and I think he's going to be one heck of a ball player. But I, I think that anybody who watches the games right now can look and see that he he needs development, he needs growth, both at the plate and in the outfield. Heck, we just talked about him playing, you know, them playing him deeper in the outfield so that, you know, balls don't go over his head or he doesn't misplay them for the long ball. There are things right now where he just, he needs to develop. And I can, and BT, you can speak from experience too. We both like, I've been up at the, in the big leagues and then sent down because I wasn't quite ready. I felt like I was, you make some good plays, you have some good shifts, you have a good game here and there, but overall your development probably take bigger strides if you're playing at a lower level Mm -hmm. and then you keep you know you keep working with that player so i don't know i don't think it's as uh as crazy to suggest that jordan walker would go back to triple a if he did get sent down again this wouldn't be some damning thing where it's just like well there it is well we just weren't right about this guy he didn't turn out in his first two days to be ellie de la cruz which by the way i'm looking forward to watching Ellie De La Cruz. How about him almost De La hitting it in the river the, uh, in his first home run in his uh, second game as a big leaguer? Hot damn, he's got something. That's going to be uh, fun to no, compete I'm with, with him and his brother. Oh, yeah. oh, look. Look at these guys go. Uh, but I, I, I think that in a perfect world right now, 
everyone else is doing what they're supposed to be doing, and Jordan Walker gets to continually learn at this level. Like That's yeah. what I would like to see because you keep seeing flashes of how talented he's going to be. I'd love to see him be able to do that, but the problem is right now uh, you have to be able to put out daily what you believe to be your best lineup that gives you the best chance to win. But it's hard-pressed for me right now with the struggles overall to not look at it and squint and see, you know what? I think my best lineup has a 21-year-old in it that I don't know a ton about yet, but at least I know what the upside looks like. That's Brad Thompson. BT, are you on the pre and post this weekend, or are you on the the call? We'll be on the call for the games alongside Chip Carey. Looking forward to it. Good man. Well, we miss you, man. Love you. Glad you're on the show. Miss you, too. Hey, I got to tell you, I apologize for the internet. I did pay the bill, and uh, <laughs> I, I reset the router. You're I fine. tried to hardwire. I mean, I did a lot of things today. I stressed out. I said bad words. Hopefully none of them came over this. No, no. That would be that'd be bad. I think they were mostly up in front of the kids while I was resetting the router. That's so, listen, uh, uh, therapy is a wonderful thing down the road. You're, they're, 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 your kids are going to be and fine. And it's good not to shelter them. Yeah. You know what? Good call. Good call, guys. I can't just be all Cardinals kids show the whole day. Okay? <laughs> you can't be Dad Fredbird every That's single day. Right. I mean, come on. I know. Dumb. Kids, let's go get ice cream. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna let's go do our thing. See you, buddy. All right, see you, fellas. That's our guy, Brad Thompson, here in the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. We got Chris Kerber coming up next. Talk a little Stanley Cup final. Matthew Matthew Kachuk with a couple of uh, statements today, and he's not wrong. Tell you what he said. Get Kerber's thoughts on that next on 101 ESPN. I've got 900 DHs. They just called up another DH. Thanks. Called up another DH for me. Great. I've got an entire roster filled of DHs and middle infielders. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fast Lane on 101 ESPN 301. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Seltzer. Joined right now by the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, right here on your home of the blues, 101 ESPN. Kerbs, how you doing? Anthony, I'm doing great. How are you today? We're doing really good. We hope uh, the local product, Matthew Kachuk, and the Panthers can get back in this series. Though they're they're down two zero right now, and you know he he didn't pull any punches. He said he can't make it a series unless you win this game tonight. What do you think Kachuk and the Panthers need to do to get back in this one? Where do you think the the major disadvantage is against the Golden Knights? Well, I thought that the real telltale sign was Game One when Florida came out to really kind of impose their will if they will. But a lot of that was after the whistle, right? Uh, you know, you saw Petrangelo take a punch in the face and not even react. You saw Kachuk go after Stone, and Stone just skated away like he was bored with him. It reminded me a lot of when the Blues were playing the Minnesota Wild. Derek Bugard was playing for Minnesota, and Andy Murray would scratch Ryan Reeves and just say, we're just not even going to engage them in that aspect of their game. And it worked. And what I saw is a real maturity in Vegas and Florida trying to claw their way in. I was looking for a change in that in game two. And while you saw a little bit of a change in it, you could tell that Florida's game was off. So tonight for me, you hope that Florida comes out with maybe a tad, uh, a tad more calm and relaxation in their game. Uh, because right now they're, they're Part of this series right now is, is the fact that they're really just getting outmatured, and I guess you could expect that with the difference of experience in the playoffs that these two teams have. 
Curbs, I know that you personally are a big Ivan Barbashev fan. And, yep. you know, we've seen Barbie uh, develop and mature as a hockey player. Uh, we've watched him expand his role here with the St. Louis Blues and obviously hoist the Stanley Cup. But, man, has his game ever evolved since becoming a Vegas Golden Knight, given the opportunity to play first line with Jack Eichel and, of course, all the rest of his game, too, with the physicality included. I mean, you, again, as a big Ivan Barbashev fan, you've got to be pleased. People forget, too, Jamie, though, that was it the 2017 or 2016 playoffs against Minnesota when Jake Allen stood on his head and the Blues won that series? But Paul Stastny was out for the first four games of that series. And Ivan Barbashev was elevated to the first-line center for the first four games and was fantastic, even back then. Ivan Barbashev, I wouldn't say victim. I'd say helped. But Ivan Barbashev became a, uh, um, you know, helped by the fact that this team was so deep, and that's why they won the Cup in 2019, that there wasn't a lot of opportunity for him to move up in the lineup. And then when they finally did – move him up 60 points, you know, and then eventually led to this. Ivan Barbashev would still be a St. Louis Blue if it weren't for a victim of circumstances of this team stinking it up this past year. That's it. If you think about it, he fits everything in the wheelhouse that Doug Armstrong says he's looking for in a player to acquire. 26 to 28, the only thing he didn't have was term, but you could have given him term. Um, they just feel that he's going to get more money than they want to pay right now with where they are. To me, he's a five times five easily player and you're going to love every minute of him, but he's an absolute playoff performer. That hit on Gudis is as big a series-changing hit as any other series moment uh, that, that could happen. So to me, it's just it's great to see because he's just a terrific guy, uh, an excellent teammate, but this is the continued progress of, of a young player that hits 26, 27, 28, and really comes into their own in the National Hockey League. And I think he's proving he can be an extremely effective top-six player for a team. Curbs, as you watch the Vegas Golden Knights uh, and their defensive core, you know, I've talked to Anthony and Marshy about this a couple of times now. They remind me an awful lot of the 2019 Blues defense core, and not just because Alex Petrangelo is back there, but he is a massive part of it. But what I see is a really big blue line. These guys are big. The smallest guy, I think, is 6'1", 205. And I'm just wondering if, you know, if that's the way maybe Doug Armstrong might be looking to move in the future. I'm not saying immediate future, but is that something you think will trend back to being big on the back end in the NHL? You know, the funny thing is, Jamie, is uh, big on the back end has always been good. Uh, you know, you can have a couple guys that are smaller. But, yeah, it's, sometimes it's just simply the reach. When, when you can't defend players the way you were able to defend when you were a player, right, you can pin them up on the wall, but you got to let them go. You can't hold them there. You can't use your stick to move them. You can't chop them. You can't. You can't defend the way you, you know, we're taught to defend in the National Hockey League. To me, size and length of stick is huge. And Larry Robinson said this to me going into that cup season about when we were talking about Pareko. They go, everybody thinks he's got to be big or physical. They were saying the same thing about me. He goes, most important thing is just learning how to use your stick. How do you, where do you point your stick to? How do you angle the blade to deflect a puck? Things along those kind of lines. 
And when you talk about a, a, a defense or a forward coming in on the likes of a Bullmeister and Pareko, they didn't think that they were going to get abused physically. They just knew they were just dang near impossible to get around because of their size. Vegas is doing that too. I don't know that Vegas is overly physical back there right now, but they're calm, they're cool, and they're just making smart stick plays and then quick plays. And look, for the last, I said this for Petrangelo, his last few years with the Blues, I still think he is the guy. I'm not sure there's a better defenseman in the National Hockey League in clearing the puck quickly off the boards, whether it be on the penalty killer at five on five, and just simply finding a seam to get it out. And, uh, and, and I think that the defense that he's been with have followed suit on that. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of similarities because of the size. And, and yeah, yeah, you do need some physicality back there, whether it was Martinez able to throw a hit, you know, and you compare that to the way Edmondson could hit or Bortuzzo. There are similarities, and it starts with size. And, and you're, look, I just don't – I. it's hard to win in the National Hockey League without size because eventually forwards are going to wear you down. And, 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 and that's an important aspect. So, I, man, I agree completely with you that, yeah, as you continue to look, the Blues are going to be looking to add size on the back end. Tonight, Stanley Cup final game three, pregame starting at 630 right here on 101 ESPN. So we'll get the pregame, the game for you. So if you're out driving around, you can't watch the game, but you can listen to it. Tune in 101 ESPN as the Panthers try to get back into the series with a win tonight over the Golden Knights. Curbs, the... There, there seems to be some, I don't know, some consternation when it comes to the cap and what that number is going to be for next year. Gary Bettman said last week that the salary cap, this next year's salary cap, won't see a significant bump, but then there's some reports that, that the, the number isn't necessarily final. Where do you anticipate the cap to be over the next couple of years? As we know, the Blues don't have a lot of cap space heading into this offseason, but when it comes to the Blues, their contracts, and where this cap could go, do you see see the outlook looking looking better uh, beyond this year for the Blues when it comes to their cap? Yeah, I think it actually, I think the Blues are setting up very well when it comes to the cap moving forward uh, for a couple of reasons. One, remember the NHL is one of the first leagues that they, they avoided any kind of labor strife whatsoever, and, and they actually extended the CBA in COVID and didn't deal with the issues that baseball dealt with, right? And then and, and the NFL, for that matter. So that being said, you're coming into what is now the final year of that, of that flat cap. There's, there was talk that maybe the Players Association under their new executive director would ask to negotiate the raise because, frankly, that would help some players stay in their current market. But then the league may renegotiate some escrow situations, and that's the big problem that the players have is how much money do they lose in escrow until the balancing of every given year is done. Uh, but it is fully expected, whether it just goes up to $1 million this year or maybe another two. Uh, Anthony, if they negotiated late, Doug Armstrong said that will be decided without a doubt by July 1. So every team knows what they're dealing with. I've got to think you're going to decide that before the draft, just so you know what you're dealing with if you're going to make a trade on draft day too. But next year is where the big rise, supposes is expected to go. And some of those gains that have not happened over the last five years because of COVID, four years because of COVID, I think you're going to start to see. So if you're a Blues fan, honestly, right now you don't want that cap to go up because you want teams like Boston, like Toronto, like some other teams, have to face some free agency situations with players and be pretty much cast, uh, you know, cap-strapped. It's next year when it goes up that the Blues are able to play in the sandbox a little bit more. They're going to have a lot more space. So I, I think right now the Blues are setting up pretty well. 
Curbs, a couple of interesting names that have popped up here. I guess we'd call it on the trade market. Uh, Alex Dabrinkit and Pierre-Luc Dubois in Winnipeg. Uh, both of these players are right in that age bracket that Army has talked about uh, this year during this, this retool that the Blues are going through. Now, I'm not asking you what you think Doug Armstrong would do in this situation, but just in your opinion, if you were if you were get to play general manager for a day, which one of those two would you circle uh, in your in your book to look to sign if you were a St. Louis Blues? Hey, if it's one of those two guys, I'm circling the Brinkett first. It's just proven the playmaking ability and what he could do. Forty goals for I I, I like the idea of that one, but. The one thing that gives me a little pause there, we were just talking about on the back end, is size. And, you know, and, and I don't think you want to get too small up front either. You know, I still think the Blues need some gumption and some grit uh, to go with their skill. They, they, they need some of that barbershop-esque aspect on their front side. So, that brink gets there. The one that I saw, Jamie, from Winnipeg that opened my eyes a little bit was Kyle Connor. And, and, and would the Winnipeg Jets consider? I can't see a scenario why you would consider that because he was the one that made Patrick Line available. But um, but that's the situation. Some of the at some point, you know, at some point teams are gonna have to make the Eric Johnson for Chris Stewart and Kevin Shattenkirk kind of trades that adjust the mood of your team that are hockey actual hockey trades and the growth of the Ottawa Senators, the fall of the Winnipeg Jets, all these different things you know, sometimes these these moves can can be really impactful if you've got a GM that's got the guts to make them. Otherwise, the the growth that you could have is just slow. And at some point in time, like the Ottawa Senators and Pierre Dorn are like, okay, you got to make the playoffs or we're done. I mean, that's a team that's up for sale. So, out of the two you mentioned, I I think I'm going with the Brinkett over Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, I just think he's a little more proven and got a little more jam to him, and seems to impact games more often. Curbs, great stuff, man. Have the have a great rest of the week and a great weekend, and we'll uh, check back with you next week. All right, guys, have an awesome weekend. You too, thanks, Curbs. Good luck. This, that, yep. You too, that's Chris Kerber here in the fast lane on 101 to ESPN. The there's one team that is expected to contend this upcoming year in the NFL that just dumped one of its best players. Why? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So when our guy Andrew Marsh woke up today, he saw that Dalvin Cook was going to be released from his Minnesota Vikings, and word has it uh, that he cried big time. Uh, no. Oh, there were tears. There were tears. This has been this has been in the making for quite some time. So a team that is a team that won the division last year, hosted obviously hosted a playoff game, is releasing one of its best players. Why is that? Well, the Vikings are releasing Dalvin Cook because you've got guys like Justin Jefferson and T.J. Hawkinson and maybe even Danelle Hunter, who's been in trade rumors too, which is that one doesn't make much sense. But Justin Jefferson is due a pretty big raise. He's still playing on his rookie deal, so he's gonna he's gonna have a big big offer at some point from the Vikings. They want to keep him, and they re-signed Alexander Madison for Addison for next to nothing. So this is merely a 
what do we have currently at the running back position? How much are we getting a cap savings on by releasing Dalvin Cook? And can we live without him? And the Vikings said, yeah, we can. So this is why they're releasing him. And if they, the, the next question might be, well, why didn't they just trade him? Because there's no offer. There wasn't an offer that, that made sense to them. Other teams probably figured that Dalvin Cook was going to be released, and they're not going to give up any assets for him. So that's that's why they, they didn't get anything for him. So they're going to save about $9 million in cap space by releasing Cook, who's only 27. He's still got plenty of juice left in the tank. And the Vikings, who are primarily a pass-first offense, are going to roll with Alexander Madison, who this is just straight-line runner. Yeah, they believe he's a th- uh, three-down back. Absolutely. So. Hand the ball off. Let him. I mean, he's he is a north-south runner through and through, and he's cheaper. So that's how you get here. My question is, where does Dalvin Cook wind up? Who makes sense for Dalvin Cook? Because, again, this, this guy can still make a, a huge difference, and I think the Vikings underutilized him a year ago because they were pass-heavy. They wanted to get the ball into Jeff- Justin Jefferson's hands which is, I mean, no argument there. Then they trade for TJ Hawkinson. That makes sense. He's another pass catcher. So who makes who makes the most sense for Dalvin Cook? And I wonder, guys, if it's not the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are a team that could use a back. I, if he's, he's from the Miami area. He played at Florida State. I think Dalvin Cook would make a lot of sense for the Dolphins. How about you guys? Yeah, um, it's always weird to me to see these impact players just moved on from. Like, I felt, I, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, but I feel like this kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, am I wrong with that? It came out of nowhere after last season. There started to be some rumblings, and it seemed it seemed yeah. to be a, a well, big surprise. I guess that's what I'm basing it yeah. off of is looking at the amount of touches he had last year and how important he was or his level of importance mm-hmm. within that offense. It's kind of when I got up this morning and saw that, I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Like I was, I was surprised. So anyways, back to your original question about what team he could go and help. Yeah, the Dolphins certainly could benefit from that. I think the Ravens too. I think the Ravens running game mm-hmm. uh, was, you know, it could certainly use an uptick uh, if we're staying in that conference. I mean, let's be honest. Dalvin Cook helps a lot of teams that are contenders. He's kind of one of those those players that if if your team needs to get a guy that kind of gets you over the over the hump a little bit, yeah. might be the guy. You know, barring that you already have that guy on your roster, mm-hmm. but I think there's more teams than just the Dolphins. They could certainly use a guy like Dalvin Cook, but it's all going to come down to what the price tag is ultimately and what his expectations are right. as a player. Because, you know, is he an easy kill Elliott type player to where, you know, he thought he was the big guy. Now his role is smaller, but he still wants to be paid like the big dog. I don't know how that works ultimately within the structure of some of these teams, uh, salary cap wise. But I feel like he could be a, a, a helpful player on so many teams. I think he's going to get a one-year deal. At this at this juncture, I mean, the offseason is over Why with. Why would he only get a one-year deal? Because teams have already have already gone through their offseasons. Good point. So they've allocated the fund. They didn't, they didn't anticipate. You can't just anticipate that somebody's going to get released, even if you have a good good idea that he would. So they've, they've already – plus the draft is over with. If you really needed a running back, you really wanted a running back, you could have got one in the draft. So now he's, he's really – they're not. There's not going to be a huge market for him. These players are not the same. They so, kind of screwed him. 
When I look at this, it kind of screwed yeah, to him some over. Degree, then to some degree, they did. I mean, why would you hang on to him all the way to this point and then release him? I wonder if they thought they could trade him. And they just kept trying and kept trying, and maybe they got close, and maybe I mean, they I'd thought... I'd be pissed as the player, because you've missed your window of opportunity of getting yourself a pretty good deal. Certainly. But yeah, I think that's he's... a side note. These two players don't compare from a stylistic standpoint, so understand, understand that I'm not comparing the two. But this does remind me a little bit of when... Leonard Floyd, Leonard Floyd, he just signed, by the way, Bills. When Leonard Fournette was released by Jacksonville, and he winds up with Tampa, and it's a short-term deal. He's not making a ton of money. Good big back that fit that offense, and because of Tom Brady and the rest of those weapons, they were able to win a you know he won a Super Bowl, and he had he had a pretty big part, played a big, pretty big role for the Bucks in that year. I think, a, I think a, a really good team is going to get Dalvin Cook. Whether it's a Super Bowl contender or just a playoff contender, I think somebody's going to land him. And whether it's Miami or Baltimore or you know Denver could certainly use a reliable running back. You know, if, they, if they think of Sean, you know, Sean Payton, his best year, the Saints' best year, of course, it was Drew Brees and it was um, you know th- that, that offense that was just explosive. But when it got down to it, when they needed to run the ball, they had Pierre Thomas and they had Reggie Bush, and they they relied on about three backs to win the Super Bowl that year. And I wonder if Sean Payton doesn't look at it and say, the running back spot for us is okay. It could be better. And maybe the Broncos extend an offer to Dalvin Cook. And Javante Williams, he's he's coming off a, a, the an injury. injury. Yep. He is the guy that... Uh, that you would like to be your running back one, but with the injury, you just never know. And, of course, they had a ton of different running back issues last year. So that could be a team right there. I looked at maybe some teams in the NFC West. They're not Super Bowl contenders, but I think for personal reasons for Dalvin Cook, if he wants to reestablish himself Mm -hmm. as the guy again, he could go to the Cardinals, who Kyler Murray... Kyler Murray injured they're going to be relying heavily on the run game they got james connor already as well yeah. so they could have a two-back system there and the rams who have cam Akers, but also they had running back issues last year as well so mm-hmm. maybe he goes there also the quarterback is matthew stafford going to be the matthew stafford that we think he is maybe he could use some help in the running game to open things up uh so those were two of my opinions if it came down to him not caring about winning, winning a Super Bowl <laughs> or winning anything and trying to get more money. I, I don't yeah. know. I'm just saying. Like I, you look at some of the, these other teams, though, they seem pretty set at at the running yeah. back position. You know, you, know, you guys mentioned the Ravens. You know, they've had some injuries as well, but like big time injuries. When those guys are healthy, though, they have about three backs that can get the job done. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins is a stud. He just he, he needs to stay healthy. You know, the other team that could be interesting here, and they've had an awful off season. But the Raiders. Eh. Josh Jacobs is not under contract. Yeah. They could they could pivot. They they gave they gave Jacobs, I think they they slapped him with a franchise tag. They could pivot and say, Hey Dalvin, do you want to play for a year? Rehab your value. Hit the hit the open market again next year. We need a back. And if Jacobs winds up signing at the franchise deal, well, great. You got two you got two backs. So that could be another another team to keep an eye on. Going back to, um, you know, Dalvin Cook not being a Viking anymore. 
Um, it is interesting because this past season, he has dealt with injuries before. Mm-hmm. This past season was the first year that he played and started every single game. So it is interesting to see them move on from from him. But maybe that's something that they know. They're like, hey, we're not seeing. There's something that we see that we don't feel like matches well with our offense and perhaps he's on the downslope of his career right i don't know last year he only averaged uh uh his average yards per attempt was 4.4 which is the lowest of his career obviously it's not so far off of what it used to be but it is the lowest of his career so maybe they're seeing something there it's a new um, gm too so it's it's a new yeah. gm from so he was he was hired mensa was hired in 2000 in January of 2002. So his first year with the Vikings slash, he didn't draft Dalvin Cook. And he's analytically driven. So he might be looking at it and saying, why are we paying, why am I allocating all of, a lot of my cap space to, to a, a running back spot when I think I could get decent production with Alexander Madison as well. So I think, like I think that. Now, Anthony. Oh, guy's smart. What can I say? Yeah. I'm not. determined. He is. To be determined. Yeah, okay. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. What's trending is next. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Line here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, we were talking about the City game yesterday. 2-0. Yeah. You said it, Anthony. You like that? Yeah, you were wrong, though. FC <laughs> Dallas won 2-0. They scored in the 80th minute and 89th minute. Uh, unfortunately, St. Louis City with the loss, but they're back in action on Sunday. Usually they're playing on Saturday. This weekend they're at sun. They're on Sunday at noon, taking on LA Galaxy. They played so well, so well. This is this was a unfortunate situation where yeah the 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 you know postponement and then they had to play again. Uh, Jamie, you had talked about it. It's it's difficult for a team, especially with with not the full allotment of time, to get going. It's a tra- you know it's a travel situation. But they've played so well of late, and I expect them to get back on track very quickly. That was a weird game. Yeah. It's a weird game. You fly out to play a 40-minute game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, should you have lost 2-0? No, you shouldn't have. I felt like uh, St. Louis City SC kind of fell asleep at the wheel a little bit. Uh, They got beat specifically on the first goal. The first goal for Dallas was right out of the City SC playbook couple of quick taps up the field going vertical like our guy Kyle Hebert talked about yep. going north up the field they put the ball in play behind the backs and in goes the Dallas guy to score a goal so I didn't like that and I didn't like the lack of coverage on their second goal and I understand you're pressing because you're trying to get back into the game at least tie it up but you left a guy absolutely wide open on the far side of the field and uh, let's be honest that's unacceptable right. so bad game or bad 40 minutes uh, Bradley Carnell basically said they've already moved on. They're looking towards their game on the weekend, which was, you know, one that this is not mixed up in the schedule. It's actually been there. So we'll see. Got to get back on track here. They'd won three in a row up until that point. So we'll see what they're made of. The, the whole season long for City SC is just going to be continuous tests because everything's a first. 
for this franchise. Obviously, it's their, it's their inaugural season, so when they win three in a row, that's great, and then they lose. Like, how are they going to respond? How are they going to react when teams start playing them a little differently uh, with injuries, with all sorts of things that happen throughout the course of a season? Uh, it's been a fun ride so far, though. I mean, it's been awesome. One thing I found interesting was that City controlled most of that game. If you look at the shots, they had 16 FC Dallas had eight possession, 53% to 47% in favor of City. And if you look at the the last game against Houston, it was pretty much the complete opposite. You had Houston with 16 shots to 11, and the possession was 52% to 48%. And we've talked about that yeah. multiple times that yeah, that's City a, SC that's is usually the team on the lower half of things when it comes to possession, and right. then that's when they strike. So I found that interesting that they were the team with with the ball for most of the game, I feel like that's a yeah. To great point, Marsh. I course, do feel it, like that's is, a trend. It is weird though because you did split that game in half. So right. I wonder. I'd have to look at the, the splits. Right. Yeah, no to look back to see, but. yeah to look to look back to see what the possession was. But I do feel like the more that City possesses in a game, the worse off they do that's offensively. So it is weird. It's just I, I I am sure it's, it's backwards, man. It is, but it, <laughs> it but the, but is it, that's what they thrive on though. It's, they play great. I mean, right from the start, I feel like everybody was talking about whether it was Lutz Fonensteel or our guy Kyle Hebert suff, play suffocating defense, force turnovers, and convert on those turnovers. And when the when the other team almost forces City to play a long possession game, it it winds up, their offense struggles almost. For instance, when they played Portland back at the end of April, uh, they lost 2-1, to one and they were in possession of the ball 53% of the time to Portland's 47. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it is a trend. It's backwards, but mm-hmm. it's kind of reality right now. Guys, yesterday, Ellie Dela Cruz of the Reds almost hit a ball out of Great American Small Park, as you call it, Anthony. Mm-hmm. The top row. Did you happen to catch one, the hit, and did you see the negotiations that were happening with the kid that caught his first home run ball? And did you see how what happened? I didn't after see what fact? happened. I saw the home run. I did not I did not hear about the the negotiations. What happened there? So this kid probably shows up to the game with about eight buddies. Give or take, they're sitting in, you know, very back part of the stadium. They catch the ball. Why did they move up? I'm sure that stadium is always yeah, empty. The, well, you know, the Reds are doing pretty well, Anthony. Are they? Well, really can't yesterday. say much right now, guys. No, we have we no can't. room to talk. We have <laughs> zero room to talk. Anyways, they're sitting at the uh, in the last row of the stadium in the outfield, and uh, he catches the ball. And then, of course, one of the uh, one of the workers for the Reds trying to negotiate is he going to keep the ball Mm -hmm. is he going to maybe get some money off the ball is he going to get some cool stuff from the reds well what he ends up doing is getting baseballs and a a bat from the reds and gets all of his buddies to take a picture with ellie de la cruz so he gets all the all the friends uh involved as well i thought it was a pretty cool moment as a as a bro yeah, yeah. real good bro moment he i feel also, like he, he left, also shoved that guy out of the way i feel like one he, buddy. <laughs> he left some things on the table though i feel oh, like he could have gotten more. yeah 100 yeah. 
needs it, representation. If you if you watch it, so the so the ball is traveling and it's it's almost like between him and another guy, they kind of have a little bit of a struggle. And then the and then the guy that winds up with the ball shoves his buddy out of the way. So Yes, it's nice. It's nice that he he got the friends involved too, Marsh. Uh he almost, you know, broke the one guy's leg though. So hey, there's that. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, it's true. Very committed. Uh, last thing here, Bryce Young elevated to QB1 for the Panthers. Did you expect to see this happen so quickly in the summer? I didn't expect it to be so quickly, no. I thought it was going to be a situation maybe over over time, preseason. He carves out a spot for himself. He takes it from Andy Dalton. But the Panthers clearly feel like he's he, he has a good grasp of what they've installed of the offense. It's not going to be it's not going to be the entire playbook at this point. But Bryce Young playing at Alabama, the maturity level, the 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 system in which he played in at, at Alabama, there are pro pro elements to that system. It doesn't surprise me that he's he's further along than a lot what a lot of rookie quarterbacks are. Yeah, we'll see. As we all know, the quarterback position in the NFL, uh, you might be the best option on your team, but that doesn't necessarily make you NFL ready. You know, yeah, true. We've seen a lot of young quarterbacks struggle, and I'm not, I'm hoping that he has a great season. I hope he, things go perfect for him. Mm-hmm. But the reps that he gets in, in practice and, and in, in training camp are not going to be like game reps when you've got the opposition that are throwing different looks at you, things you've never seen before, players that have strength that you've never seen before and speed that you haven't seen before. So the learning curve to being a quarterback in the NFL, I think, is probably one of the the toughest things for any athlete. I agree. So many moving parts uh, before the snap and then after the snap and every different set of downs, every game that you play. Like, there's a lot to process at a very high level. So it's nice to see that he's making those strides early on in his career. We'll see what that looks like come time for like real games. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it continues to progress that way. We got our NFL four downs coming up next hour, but what does a rebound look like for this team, for the Cardinals? If it is going to happen, if they are going to rebound, if they are going to start to climb in the NL Central, and they got a long way to go and they've not played well. One win doesn't change the fact that they have really struggled over the last couple of weeks. But if a rebound is coming, what does it look like from this team specifically? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This road trip has been tough, so to be able to pitch the game we just did against uh, especially that team, that says a lot. So Jack was phenomenal, did a really nice job, threw up a ton of zeros, and a big swing by Burley there. That We just faced a really good arm. Uh, that guy did a nice job, and um, some uncomfortable at-bats for sure, but leaving here with that win was important. That's Cardinals manager Ali Marmel following last night's one nothing victory over the Rangers. The Cardinals at least avoided a sweep, but still they had a five-game losing streak heading into last night they snapped the skid but they got to turn things around and do so in a hurry as of right now so following last night's loss uh win excuse me so used to the losses at this point jamie you know it's just it's, you know what, Anthony, it's i'm not going right to say now. anything about being negative so well you know we're not going to say it win more games and then don't have to be negative they're 26 and 37 on the season eight and a half games back of the pirates in the central 
They're also the only team, though, with a positive run differential heading into today. Plus one. I don't know if you guys know this, but the NL Central's absolute dog, you know what. Mm. It's not good. I've heard. It's bad. So the Cardinals could turn things around, boys. Real bad. <laughs> how does it look, though? To you, how does it, how does it look? What do you mean? Who takes over? Oh. Whether, it's a, whether it's players, a position group, what do you think wow. is realistic? <laughs> is it a situation where the pitching turns around, the front office actually makes moves, the offense has to win? Like, how does it look to you? Or do the the rest of the teams they're just that bad and the Cardinals eventually make their way up? Well, Anthony, it's for me it's a combination of both of those questions right there. One, uh, nobody's going to run away with this division. So, oddly enough, you're you know you've got just I think uh, 99 games left on the season. You're eight and a half games back, and you're right in the running for the division. You're the worst record in the National League. And you're still you're, right there. You're right there. Um, so that speaks to it's the disgusting. quality of play uh, from the Central Division. Uh, and as far as what it looks like, for me, it, it all comes down to the rotation. Mm-hmm. For me, it comes down because you're right, the plus one run differential, and we've talked about the offensive numbers from the Cardinals this year, the numbers are fine. And in fact, they're very good in some categories. Uh, but they also give up a lot of runs. And, and that's kind of what has... You know, in my opinion, played a huge factor in their season is the pitching. And the rotation in particular has had its struggles, to say the least. Flaherty seems to be finding his groove. Michaelis looks like uh, we thought he would. If Montgomery and one other guy, whether it's Libertor, Wayno, or Steven Matz, I know you don't want to hear that right now. If it's one of those, they're two. two if you can get four guys that are going to where you feel like you can win baseball games, that's what's going to be the difference for me, for the Cardinals. I'm going to need them to start smiling first. I mean, they won yesterday. It looked like uh, it looked like they weren't happy. Yeah. It's, it's a, you guys won a game. Like, let's go. Let's go. Marsh is I, – I've noticed this over the last, uh, the last two shows or so. That's 48 to, 48 to 72 hours here, last couple of days. Hmm. Marsh has turned into the uh, the body energy guy. Yeah, he's watch he's watching the body language. He's not wrong. He's though. checking in on the energy. He's not wrong at all. Oh, guys but aren't it, even giving high fives to guys who hit home runs nah, and crap a, like that. Like, hit a on. home run, you're like, great. Someone tweeted yesterday, and apologies to whoever it was. I thought it was funny, but I forgot who tweeted it. It looked like they got walked off after they won yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the same time. John Gray threw a complete game and lost. Like yeah. Alec Burleson, he ran into one. Yeah, he shoved. John Gray absolutely yeah, shoved. Yeah, so your offense still, at the end of the day, not great. That also goes to show you how tight this club is. <laughs> they, it is. They, they look so, very I mean, tight. They look so tight. Mm-hmm. They, oh, and and not like, like tight. physically tight. I thought you meant like a tight no. knit group. Not, not like, like physically not synergy. tight. Not like yeah, us. no, not synergy hockey dot com. Skills, excuse me, synergy hockey skills dot com. I mean, put spots the still available. Yeah, put the clear camp in there at some point, Jamie. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, but you know, um, it's a work in progress. Work in progress, indeed. No, they they look tight. They look like a team that like realizes its its season is on the line every single day. And you, you just can't play that way. But unfortunately, if you're losing, that's mm-hmm. that's how it's going to look. You know, I always I always laugh when when a team starts rolling a little bit. It's like, oh, look out! 
They're having fun now. The league better look at Yeah, they're winning. Mm-hmm. Every team looks like that when they're winning. But every fan base is like, this team's uh, having fun. Anthony, you have to have BDE. Big dugout energy. Yeah, right. And That's what that means. That This team does not have that right That's now. That's well said, Marshy. Well Thank said. You. Well said, Marsh. Jamie, I'm with you. Not Marsh. Look, you're right. They got to... It'd be nice. It'd be nice if they get a little swagger to them, even mm-hmm. even though they're losing. Act as if maybe. But Jamie, I'm with you. I think the offense, while the numbers have certainly dipped recently, you have more than enough. You have more than enough offense. You're going to go through ups and downs. Willis Contreras is hot at you know at one point. Now he has cooled off. Nolan Arenado was hot, then he cooled off. You know, then he got hot again. Now he's somewhere in between. You're going to have that throughout the course of a season. they got more than enough power. They have more than enough guys that can get on base. They've got some speed to it. It, it Offenses ride the roller coaster. If this pitching staff turns things around, they will get back in to the NL Central race. They will. We've, we have seen it before. If they pitch well, and they've, they've been better over the last 10 games now, much better, if they start, if they string together some quality starts here, they will get back. They will get back into it because the offense will eventually come back up. You know, it's in the it's in that valley now, but eventually they'll get back up in the peak. If that matches with with solid pitching, you will get back into it. Don't blow games. Win the one run. They've been losing one run games a lot. Realize that this is a world where we're light years away from talking about being a playoff team and all that stuff. We're just talking about merely getting back into it. Keep opponents off the damn scoreboard, and you will turn things around. Hate to simplify, hate to minimize the offense, hate to minimize anything, any other aspect. You're minimizing the the offense. I think you're stating the obvious. You got to get you got to get this pitching staff. I'm not just talking about the starters, the, the bullpen as well. To get moving here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, bullpen has been, you know, uh, for me, the bullpen's been pretty consistent. Uh, you've had a couple of blow-ups from time to time. It's been decent. It's decent. But I'm not going to be, yeah, I'm not sit here pointing at the bullpen as the problem. Let's be honest. If you're looking at one aspect of the pitching, it's been the rotation that has held you back more than anything. No doubt. Um, so if they can fix that even just a little bit, and then maybe, hopefully, add something either before or at the trade deadline to upgrade that area. Now that might be the one thing that really helps them, you know, inch closer and closer to winning this division. Cuz you're going to have to win this division if you want to get in the playoffs. Oh yeah. Nobody's going to There's no wild card coming out of the Central this yeah. year. No chance. Jamie, you talked about this when the Blues were struggling, but perhaps maybe the players need to set smaller goals with the individual uh, parts of the team. I remember you talking about yep. that with the Blues. Maybe Five that's, game segments. Exactly. Maybe that's something that this team, and maybe they're already doing that. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Obviously, we're not in the, the clubhouse by any means, but perhaps that could we be something. Be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're, you know what? You're right. Should be there. Mm-hmm. All of us should. If Ollie, uh, if Ollie really, really wants to get back in this thing, yeah, we need to be in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Because we have big dugout energy. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. absolutely. We'd get this thing pointed right in the yeah, right direction. For you know? sure. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Speaking of uh, pointing this thing in the right direction. Well, Marsh, it's your turn. You're yeah. off, buddy. It's been a minute since I've been the closer. We yeah. Need, we need you. Mm-hmm. We need we need a Ryan Helsley-like effort mm-hmm. out of you right you now against competitiveness. Matt. competitiveness. Like from last night? Like specifically, specifically from last yeah, night. Yeah, I was going to say there's a few opportunities. Yeah, no, no, no. Me, specifically uh, from last night. Get the job done. We but... just need you to take it seriously, Marshy. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Not Unlike, everybody has done that. Some people. Um, 
uh, and it's got us in this position. But mm-hmm. you know what? I got faith in you, and I believe that you have that fire in mm-hmm. your belly to compete through four questions and a tiebreaker if necessary. So got faith in you. Thank you. I know what you're doing right now, and I don't like it. But Marsh is going to give his best effort. Next in the gauntlet on 101 ESPN. Somebody will. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Time for the gauntlet here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN 401. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Salter. Our guy Andrew Marsh has an opportunity for a save because Matt, who's on the line again, well, he beat Jamie and I the last two days. What's up, Matt? Not much. Just starting my uh, vacation. You're starting your vacation, huh? Yeah. You got a whole week off? You got a whole week off. This going to the sea. Great. You're going where? Going to going to the Panama City Beach. All right, Not good man. Style like Jamie, don't have a speedo like him. So. Well, what oh, something wow. you got to order? If you beat Marsh today, will you order a speedo? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right, there good man. Go. There you go. I got a great place for you for that too. I'll hook you oh. up. Oh, cool. sounds good. Speedo.com. All right. <laughs> Uh, Matt, you already know who the opponent is today. It's going to be Andrew Marsh, so go ahead and tell Marsh to spin the wheel. We'll send him to the cone of silence. We'll see what category you get. All right, spin that wheel, Marsh. All right, here we go. Matt, what are you hoping for? Uh, It doesn't really matter at this point. It just is what it is. Okay, I like that. All right, now the first, first time you were with us, you said you didn't want hockey. How do you feel about it now? Is that what I got? That's what you got. Yeah. Okay. Well, it is what it is, I guess. There you go. You're consistent, man. You didn't. You said, "Hey, look, doesn't matter. You still gonna win, no matter what it is." So you're yeah. gonna get. You're gonna get hockey. You did well the first time in it. Uh, so, I did. I did well enough. You did well enough. You did. Yeah. You did. All right. You know. Uh, you know how the game is played. Four questions. All hockey today. Same four questions given to Matt as uh, as Marsh. Every question is worth two points, unless the guys need the options. The options that they, if they need the options, uh, the question's worth one point. You ready, Matt? Yeah, let's do this. All right, here we go. When the Washington Capitals defeated the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup final in 2018, how many games did that series go? Uh, I'm going to take the options, but I think I have a guess. Give me the option. Five, six, or seven. All right, I figured that's what the options were going to be. Give me uh, six final. Okay. All right, Matt, question two. In game seven of the 2019 Stanley Cup final, which St. Louis Blues scored the last Blues goal of the game to put the Blues up 4 nothing in the third period? Is that Shen? Uh, give me the options. Was it David Perron, Zach Sanford, or Sammy Blay? Oh, good thing I took the option. <laughs> yep. Uh, 
Give me one more time. I'm sorry. I was no problem. Was it David Perron, Zach Sanford, or Sammy Blay? Uh, give me Sammy Blay. Final answer. Question three, Matt. Which Dallas star still leads the 2023 NHL playoffs in points with 24? Yeah, give me the options. I have no idea. Joel Pavelski, Jason Robertson, or Rupe Hintz? Uh, Pavelski, final answer. Okay, Matt, question four here today. In 1967, the NHL added six teams in its first expansion. These teams were the St. Louis Blues, Los Angeles Kings, Philadelphia Flyers, Pittsburgh Penguins, Minnesota North Stars, and which other team that no longer exists today? Uh, uh, options. Was it the Brooklyn Americans, the Seattle Millionaires, or the Oakland Seals? The Oakland Seals. Final answer. All right, Matt. We're bringing in Marsh from the Cone of Silence right now. How are you feeling? Uh, better than yesterday. Okay. Well, there you go. Either way, you got Still your vacation great. starting. Yeah, that's, that's right. All right, Marsh's got the headphones back on. He's about to take that sip of water. It's customary for Andrew Marsh. He's going to put it down. He's going to lock in, and he's going to hear this. He's, yeah, yeah, good call. Yeah, good call, man. Uh, he's also going to hear this from Jamie Rivers. Oh, Marsh, you better pack a lunch and an extra water. Wow. Your category today, Marsh, is hockey. Oh, Question one. When the Washington Capitals defeated the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup final in 2018, how many games did the series go? Five. Final answer. All right, Andrew. Question number two. In game seven of the 2019 Stanley Cup Final, which St. Louis Blue scored the last Blues goal of the game to put them up 4-0 in the third period? 4-0? That would have been, let's see, the first goal was O'Reilly. The second goal was Petrangelo. third goal was Braden Shen. fourth goal was Zach Sanford, set up by David Perron. Final answer, Zach Sanford. Question three, Marsh. Which Dallas star still leads the 2023 NHL playoffs in points with 24? Oh. I'm thinking Jason Robertson, but he didn't really do too much in one of the series. It's either him or maybe Lupe Hintz. I'm going let's, to... Let's use the options, just in case. Joel Pavelski? Oh. Jason Robertson? Rupe Hintz? Man, I'm going to go with Joe Pavelski. Final answer. Actually, no. Mm, I already said it. He was out for a full series. <laughs> he said final answer. Andrew. I know, I know. He also would score like four goals in a few games. I don't know. And they whatever. still lost that game. Yeah. Question four. Marshy, this is it. Follow along. 
In 1967, the NHL added six teams in its first expansion. These teams were the St. Louis Blues, the LA Kings, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Minnesota North Stars, and which other team that no longer exists today? Uh, so that would be the California Golden Seals. I don't know if at the time they were the Oakland Seals, but it is that franchise, The I'll say the California Golden Seals. Final answer. Okay, let's go over these. Gauntlet Trophy on the line today between Matt and Marsh. Let's stay with there, that one. In 1967, the NHL added six teams in its first expansion. These teams were the St. Louis Blues, the Los Angeles Kings, Philadelphia Flyers, Pittsburgh Penguins, Minnesota North Stars, and which other team that no longer exists today? Marsh, you said the California Golden Seals. Matt, you went with the Oakland Seals. Correct answer is... Well, it's both of those. It's the Oakland Seals slash California Golden Seals. Is that the full thing? Because yeah, I wasn't going to give... It's the same franchise. It's the same franchise. It's the same thing. It's right. like the LA Angels of Anaheim, Anaheim California. Angels. Got the Anaheim it. Angels. All right, well, both of you needed the options on that. Once we get a 1-1 tie yeah. today between Mar- Matt you know, and Mark. I didn't need the options. Oh, you didn't need the options. 2-1. 2-1, yeah. my bad. Anthony, interesting fact about the California Golden Seals. They were owned by the same owner as the Oakland A's at the time. And uh, he thought it would be awesome for the skates to be white. Oh, so he he had the trainers paint the skates white, which was fine, right? Until they would like get chipped and things would happen. So then the trainer have to put another layer of paint on. Bruce Affleck, who's the president of the Blues Alumni Association, was on those teams. And he said, uh, by the time you can get a new pair of skates, they're like seven pounds each because they're covered in so much paint. <laughs> that sounds dumb. It was a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. By uh, a baseball guy. <laughs> Back to the, well, yeah, baseball guy. I mean, he just didn't like a, understand. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. yeah. You mm-hmm. get it. I do. Wait, what? 2-1 right now. Marsh over map. Which Dallas star still leads the 2023 NHL playoffs in points with 24? Marsh, you went with Joe Pavelski, despite the fact that he's missed, uh, well, he missed a whole series. Matt, you went with Joe Pavelski, despite the fact that he missed a whole series. Correct answer is? Yeah. That is ropey hint. That Rupee guy was on an absolute tear. So Marsh still up 2-1. In Game 7 of the 2019 Stanley Cup Final, which Blue scored the last Blues goal of the game to put St. Louis up 4-0 in the third period. Matt, you went with Sammy Blay. Marsh, you went with Zach Sanford. Correct answer is David Perron assisted on a goal scored by Zach Sanford. Marsh did not need the options on that one. He's got a 4-1 lead when the Washington Capitals defeated the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Final in 2018. How many games did the series go? Matt, you went six. Marsh, you went five. Correct answer is it was, in fact, five. Matt, you have chosen poorly. You lose! Thank you, thank you. I've been getting random a lot lately. That's the one thing you did say. I did You're not like, want random. He, yeah. We have to give our guy Marshy some credit. He said, if I don't get random, I'll win today. He said, this is my Mark Messier moment where I'm calling my win if mm-hmm. it's not random. <laughs> he was on he one. locked in today. He was. He was, he was on one today. Well, Jamie Matt. helped, though. He said, get that fire in your belly. Yeah. And Don't make mistakes that others have made. Hundred percent. You know, I wasn't trying to be silly today, unlike no some kidding. people. But <laughs> anything for a laugh. 
Well done, Andrew. Well done. Matt, great job, too. All right, thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing, buddy. Have a great vacation. Enjoy your vacation. Yeah, have a great All vacation. Right. We'll see you, man. Right. Have fun at PCB. Bye. It's a great place. All right. All right. What? Really? What? It's your problem. You. No. Look in the mirror, buddy. You look in the mirror. You better pull your act together for the next round of Gauntlet here because, you know, dumb answers, just having fun, is not going to cut it around here. It's not. You can be wrong. I'm okay. Anthony, I'm okay with getting the wrong answer as long as you're actually trying. You can't even, there's no rebuttal to that because you know you expect the same out of yourself. You expect the same out of your children. Anthony, I heard you talk to your children. You're bringing my children? I did. I heard you talking to Maddie one time. And he said, Maddie, I understand that, you know, it's not always perfect and you don't always get the right answers and you don't always uh, do the best dance Mm -hmm. at Palms Camp. I heard you talking about this, but you said you have to try. That's all I care about is that you try. In fact, it was a moving moment because. You know, my children are older now, and we have different obstacles. But to hear you talk to Maddie like that and the encouragement and the life lesson that you presented to her about always giving her best, I welled up a little bit. So when you threw in the towel out of nowhere, completely uncharacteristic, Anthony, it bothered me, not for me. It bothered me for you, and it bothered me for Maddie, okay? I had a rebuttal, but uh, Jamie, that was... Simply your finest work on this on this radio station. Jamie, you are so right. Well said. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take tomorrow off to think about all this. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Good time to tell you that Jamie Rivers, who uh, just delivered the absolute smackdown to me, I will take full responsibility. Marsh, thanks for picking me up. Thanks for picking us up. Yeah, yeah, you know. Jamie, just... well said. I goofed off the other day in the gauntlet, and... Um, it almost cost us. It's only because I believe in you. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. I appreciate that. Good time to tell you that Dan McLaughlin will be joining me tomorrow as Jamie has the day off tomorrow uh, to do something important, I'm sure. No yeah, doubt. I think. <laughs> it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Have the Cardinals hurt their brand this season? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Anthony Stalter, and our guy Marshy, uh, when we got to the office here today, he had brought up an interesting question that uh, I thought was going to be a good discussion. And the question was, have the Cardinals hurt their brand this season? So, Marshy, I'm going to throw it back to you so you can set the the table here properly as to what your thoughts are when you're asking, have the Cardinals ruined their brand? So when I think of the Cardinals, I think of a very like conservative way of going about things when it comes to uh, the media. Being in the media, they, they, they're typically never in the national spotlight uh, because they sort of do things by the book. Uh, and they're always winning, right? They're always winning. So I have... A few different examples for an off-the-field example and an on-the-field example. Obviously, the the on-the-field example is their record right now. They're one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, We talk about their attitude. 
it, it's not really great. Not that that really leans into the whole brand of thing, but the lack of fundamentals. That's a big thing for Cardinals baseball is their defense, and you know for the most part they're they're pitching. We haven't really seen much of that this year, although it is getting better. Uh, for the off the field examples, though, I mean when I think of. Uh, just some drama throughout the year. I'm thinking of the Tyler O'Neill drama that happened at the beginning of the season. Depending on you know how you believe that should have went, that's up to you. But it was a national narrative throughout mm-hmm. most TV shows uh, throughout the country. The way the handling of Wilson Contreras, I think that was probably the the biggest thing so far this year. Uh, the demotion of Jordan Walker the first time. Again, whether or not you believe he should have been sent down, a lot of people don't. Uh, and it just created some national buzz because he did have that 12-game hitting streak at one point. Um, and then, of course, you know you have Jack Flaherty, the way he was talking to the media. Um, some people don't like how Ollie talks to the media. You know that is, I put that on the lower part of the list. But I just thought hmm, this is interesting because usually we're not seeing the Cardinals in the national spotlight with a ton of drama surrounding them. And I wonder if maybe this is hurting their their brand from a, not like uh, an on-field thing, but more of like a, a like a marketing type, type situation. I don't know if they're doing it nationally, because I, I don't think, I don't think nationally people really take, the Cardinals into account unless th- we see what we're seeing now, and that they're mm-hmm. they're in last they're, they're they're the worst team in the National League record wise. So I think that has grabbed national headlines, and it's been a shock. But it's going to take a while, I think, for for the national media not to believe that this Cardinals team won't get back in it. I mean, three years ago, again, I'm just talking nationally. I'm not mm-hmm. talking locally. I'll get to locally, but nationally, a couple of years ago, the Cardinals went on the what 18. What was it? 17-game 17, 17. 17 winning streak. It's like, oh, okay, of course, Cardinals again. So I think nationally, mm. it's going to take a lot for somebody to start to look at the Cardinals in a different light. But when you look at the, when you think about the brand locally, what have we heard from Cardinals fans? I mean, we've heard a lot. But what, what are some of the, the things that the critics have been most mostly complaining about? And this is something that's been going on for a couple of years now, not just not just this year. But you think about, you know, stock, the fans are stockholders. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the paying customers. I think when a company starts to under-deliver, they don't fulfill maybe certain promises, perceived or otherwise. If they start to kind of deceive paying customers, that's that's one way to ruin your brand. And the Cardinals, some Cardinals fans feel like that's what this front office has done. Mm-hmm. Maybe, okay, so John Mozalock, for example. We're going to up our payroll. Did they? Yeah, they did by a little bit. But you're a Cardinals fan, and you're going in, You're even if you're, even if you're kind of skeptical that the front office is actually going to spend more this year, you still have them back your head. Okay, well, he said it's going to go up. And then it did, but not by much. And the only sign was Contreras. For all intents and purposes, that's that's almost breaking a, a promise to a paying customer. So I think that's one way that the that the brand could be hurt. I think not understanding. Sorry, I get choked up here. It's a very I get choked, touchy I get subject. choked up thinking about the Cardinals fans and how they're lying, you know how they're being lied to, Jamie. Naturally, but I think when you have the negative attention, like like the Tyler O'Neill situation. 
I, I think that when you're, you know, you're not necessarily engaged with what you're, you're, uh, if you're, if you're kind of tone deaf to your paying customers, it's another way to ruin your brand. So from a local level, I think the Cardinals are in the process of doing that. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if ruining the brand is quite there. Um, you know, <laughs> I think it takes a lot. Mm-hmm. especially when you have built up a resume of being a really good franchise, both on and off the field. I mean, you can say whatever you want as a Cardinals fan um, you know, about your team winning or losing, but th- in my opinion, this is not anything about losing. When you're ruining the brand, it's because you have players or individuals or situations that are embarrassing the ball club in the city where you would be embarrassed to wear a Cardinals t-shirt or a hat around because player X, Y, or Z did something horrific, like like a Trevor Bauer incident Mm -hmm. or like something that's really, to me, that ruins the brand. Uh, Losing doesn't ruin the brand unless you're consistently losing, like if you're the Oakland A's, and like that's ruining a brand by just sucking so bad on a consistent basis. So for me, uh, you're a losing ball club right now. I don't know if your brand is necessarily affected by it overall, but the Contreras thing, that was national news. Like, that was everywhere, and that was completely mishandled by the Cardinals. 100% mishandled from the top to the bottom during that entire situation. The Tyler O'Neill thing, I actually look at it differently. I feel like that actually established your brand. Cardinals baseball is we hustle. We hustle. We don't we, we don't take a day off. We don't you know, we don't jog around third base when you have the opportunity to score a run. You hustle. I don't care about your contract next year or the year after. I care about scoring that run. So for me that was although some people don't like the way that, that Ollie handled it, um you know, teach their own. And when it comes to an opinion like that, for me, I always dive back further and go, okay, so if Ollie's at the point of publicly outing a player, this isn't the first thing that's happened. Mm-hmm. There's a track record of things that have accrued, uh, you know, in that play, that player's portfolio. And now the manager or the, the president or the owner have had enough. So they're going to talk about it openly to the media. So I look at it that way. The Cardinals, guys, they if you're looking at it straight from an organizational standpoint, they have a fantastic brand. My mom, who lives in Ottawa, Canada, is a Toronto Blue Jays fan, loves the Cardinals. She just, like, she loves the Cardinals, thinks that it's just a uh, the, the historic franchise, and she came down here and bought Cardinals jerseys and hats, and I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I just love the Cardinals, you know? They're, they always have a team that's competitive. Now, my mom doesn't understand that the Central Division is dog crap. I didn't bother to tell her. Mm. I hurt her feelings, Anthony, <laughs> you know? So but, I don't that, know. but she's but she's essentially a, a national voice. Yeah, because she doesn't know the inner goings on of the daily grind here. So she that's, looks at the Cardinals overall and goes, "Hey, that's a good franchise." That's why I specified a local though. Yeah, and I no, think I on, agree. And I think on a local level, if you do follow the, this team and you have been following this team, the, I, I I I truly believe the Cardinals. And I'm speaking from a fan's perspective here. I think the Cardinals have underdelivered a lot. Hmm. Even I mean, when you, when they traded for Paul Goldschmidt, even that was like, okay, well, what next? You know, Nolan Arenado. Well, what next? You didn't get anybody after Gold. What are you going to do? There is a there is this is a frustrated fan base, a proud fan base. Yes, one that has 
high expectation? Yeah. Well, the Cardinals set set those expectations properly by winning, Jamie, to your point. But I think this team has largely underperformed. Marsh, you've been you've been ticked off all year. You're a diehard Cardinals fan. I have been. You're frustrated. You're fr- you've been frustrated since the offseason. I've been frustrated of- since last October, Anthony. You, have. you saw it firsthand. <laughs> so uh, I, if Mar- I know Marsh, this is a small sample size. It's very anecdotal. It's just what we're seeing out of Marsh. But Marsh does represent... A lot of that frustrated Cardinals And I'm fan. not even like, I, I feel like I'm pretty like level-headed when it comes to things. When I see people on Twitter, like there are some fans that are not Wait, happy. on Twitter? No. I think Twitter's I know, very Jamie. reasonable. People air it out on Twitter? What? I mean, there are some people that are just ready to oh, yeah. call it a day. Like, I'm not watching another. Tank. I'm not watching another moment of this team. Proceeded to watch nine innings. But <laughs> I, I agree with you with the with the under deliver under delivering. I think what this team has done is they they've gotten guys like Goldschmidt, they've gotten guys like Arenado, but they but they're not going that extra. They're not taking the extra step in terms of their roster construction to make this a World Series team. Mm-hmm. They're not doing that. Are they not doing it, or do they just don't know how to do it? I mean, either way, that's a good question. Either way, it's not. No, I understand, but is it is is the effort not there, or they just don't know? Not being good at your job doesn't necessarily mean you're not trying. I think that's a good question. I feel like they're 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 putting, they're giving too many players opportunities that might not deserve another one, Mm -hmm. and some maybe some do, but I feel like they might be holding on to that just a little bit longer than they should. Because we've talked about this. Goldschmidt and Arenado are not getting any younger. They're not. You brought them in to win a World Series. But you have not necessarily put the right pieces around them to win said World Series. Or at least make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, you made the, the NLCS in 2019. Some could say that was a fluke. You know, you know what I'm saying? It was a little bit It was a little a fluke. fluky. <laughs> Maybe they were running off the steam that the Blues had that that. Uh, Summer, who knows? But um, yeah, I, I just feel like they haven't taken the extra step, and I feel like, like you said, Anthony, they have underdelivered, and it, it somewhat over the past couple of years maybe has maybe not ruined their brand, but perhaps hurt it. And we got a text from the three one four. I thought it was a, uh, a pretty good text. This will end up being considered a not great chapter. Yeah, is it? Because what if they, what if they turn it around and win the division? Now, what do you say? I would say, do they make it out of the first round? Anthony, locally, nationally, right? Mm-hmm. Locally, you're right. Did they really do anything in a crap division, end up coming back, and they were bad all year, and they just limped in, and they lost in the first round? Mm-hmm. That's in St. Louis. From a national perspective, or Canada, or Mexico, they look at it and go, Cardinals made the playoffs again. It's damn Cardinals team, they're yep. back in it. They, winners. You they're, always are. They're in it every year, the, yes. those guys. Yep. It's, it's an important distinction. And you know what? This, if they do make the playoffs, this could totally be the year that where they they make a run no, because it would make Marsh. no sense. Okay. It would right. make no sense. Hey, An Marsh. eighty win team. Marsh, cut yourself <laughs> off. They don't have the pitching. Marsh, we've been able, we've been over this. All they got to do is trade an outfielder to Toronto. You mean an get infielder? A pieces. You got to specify. Is it an infielder that turned in outfield. into an outfielder? Or, uh, yeah, that's put in my mind. An actual pretzel. outfielder? Are we actually getting an outfielder yeah, or are we getting an infielder getting, to play the outfielder? Player yes. name. A player to hmm. be named later. That could be an infielder it and could be, or an outfielder. Could be a fan. Could, could be, be a, a fan a, at this Could point. be a listener. 
Who knows? Never know. We've and done it before. NFL Four Downs <laughs> next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the NFL Four Downs in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh. First down. All right, guys. We talked about Dalvin Cook earlier in the show. Are the Vikings still a contender without Dalvin Cook? And which team makes the most sense to sign him? Were they a contender even with him? They won the division last year, Jamie. Oh, my goodness, Jamie. Sorry, Andrew. I consider contenders to be... You know, contenders. Just because your team, your third, fourth, whatever team, had a good season last year, doesn't mean the Vikings are out of contention. Anthony, Mm -hmm. would you consider the Vikings to be a contender? What sort of contender are we talking about? Well, is a Super Super Bowl contender? Is there any other kind? No. I don't want to hear primetime NFC championship. I don't want to hear that. NFC championship game contender? No. <laughs> you are hilarious. <laughs> wild card contender? Yes. Yeah, they're Marsh a wild so card contender. Right now. Marsh can be mad at me all he wants. With a defense like that? With a D like that? I don't think so. They hey, their D got stronger, okay? Got better. Yeah, but it took a lot of work to get there. Well, yeah. they, brought a, they brought a guy in to make their D better. Well, he, he better be really good. He is. Is that D it's Brian Flores. Woof. I'd keep them in the wild card contender. I don't think they're going to win the division this year. So, I'm going to be a realist here. He's so mad. I'm not mad. No, he's not. He's mad. I'm not mad. I'm going to be a realist. They are playing a number one schedule this Mm -hmm. year. So, they're playing, you know, a first place schedule. I could see him being a wild card team. I could also see him winning the Super Bowl, Anthony. Oh, Oh, come on. I mean, they're playing the. How good are these teams actually going to be? The Raiders, oh, the Bears, be. the Broncos, the Saints, the Falcons, well, that's the new the new Packers, the Panthers, the Buccaneers. There's like six, seven, eight wins right there. Boy, you wow. sure you can sell yourself anything, can't you? This team the will Titans. Be, this they're team will they're be, playing the. Oh my goodness! Oh, no, no, that's to be the preseason. Wow. Be lucky to be 500. They're a wild card team. If there was a board in this room right now, <laughs> you'd be putting it on it. I'd be putting it on the board. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they are. They're, they are still a contender. We uh, we brought up, uh, and to the second part of this question, we For brought up. Card. Anthony, what the hell? He's just uh, repeating himself. By the way, uh, someone texted this in yesterday. We uh, we talked about Madden, the Madden cover with, with Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh there was a commercial, basically, for gameplay footage. And it was all these playmakers making plays. And my goodness, they did Kirk Cousins so dirty <laughs> in the commercial. It was Kirk Cousins throwing an interception to Trayvon Diggs and him taking it back to the house and in the process also just stiff-arming Kirk Cousins and pushing him to the ground. <laughs> that was Mac Jones, poor, you know? Poor Kirk. It was, it was pretty funny, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I also was a little hurt by it. But Kirk you know. is a really solid, statistically mm. good quarterback. 
I mean, that's what you get for throwing the ball four yards on fourth down. So, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? On a fourth and 12. What are you going to do? Second down. All right, moving past them. Uh, the Titans, Chiefs, Bills, Texans, and Browns have been linked to DeAndre Hopkins. Where would he make the biggest impact? Of course, I, Anthony, you said he wasn't a game changer, so, I mean, this question doesn't make any sense. That's but, a good point, Marshy. Which is why I think he'd be perfect in Buffalo. You put him opposite Stephon Diggs, who defensive coordinators are extremely worried about, and now he's just one-on-one, -on -one winning contested passes on third down. Perfect. I think it's the Bills. He would be he'd be great with the Chiefs. But the, tight, the Titans, how, how much... How much does he change the Titans' fortunes? How much does he change the Browns' fortunes? Well, I know they're like, making all the you know the Deshaun Watson con, uh, connections, but I think the Bill he'd be a perfect Bill. So I look at the quarterback situation first and foremost. If I'm a wide receiver, I need a quarterback. I can't have somebody that is not good or elite because otherwise I don't look very good because they can't get me the ball when they need to or place the ball where I can catch it. So that eliminates the Titans and the Texans for me because I don't see the Titans having the quarterback to do it, and I certainly don't see the Texans having a quarterback ready yet to do it. It certainly it keeps the Browns in the conversation just because Deshaun Watson, maybe not last year or the year before because he didn't play, but before that proved at least that he was an elite quarterback at the time. But again, I don't think that team's ready to win, and I think Hopkins would like to win. So I think the Browns are out. Comes down to the Chiefs and the Bills. Uh, and I look at it very much like you do, Anthony. But I think that he would probably fit better with the Chiefs. I think that he would believe the Chiefs are ready to win again. The Bills, until they can prove that they can get over the hump, until Josh Allen can consistently prove that he's uh, not just a regular season quarterback, but all the way, get to a the meaningful games, get to the conference championship, get to the Super Bowl, those things. I think it's, it's going to hold back some of the people in believing that they can do it. Either of those teams, I think, is a fit. I personally think he goes to the Chiefs. Why the hell would he want to go to the Titans? He wouldn't. Unless they're the only offer. That's true. Or I mean, it's a cool offer. city. You know, Jamie unfortunately has to pay a lot of money to get a bucket of beer there. Yeah. But but if you're DeAndre Hopkins, you're not $54. worried about that. Their quarterback mm -hmm. situation it doesn't, doesn't, you know, make me feel good. Right. Doesn't hit you in the feels. Not at all. Not at all, Anthony. Third down. Uh, we mentioned Bryce Young and what's trending. So Bryce Young opened today's OTAs with the Panthers. First team offense. Is it smart to start Young as a rookie? It just depends on the rookie. I don't think you should start Anthony Richardson if you're the Colts. I think I, I think Anthony Richardson needs a full year, at least. If you're Bryce Young, you come from Alabama, the coaching he had, the system in which he, he played in, you're not talking about even C.J. Stroud going to Ohio State. A lot of looking to the sideline, check with me offense. Yeah, you're the quarterback. You're not in command of the offense, though. Bryce Young was in, was, was in command of the offense. And the biggest advantage in all of sports is is having a rookie quarterback, or uh, excuse me, a quarterback on his rookie deal. So yes, I think he should start. Provided, of course, that he, he has a complete handle on whatever portion of the offense they want him to run this year. 
Yeah, I think he starts if he's ready. And I think he starts if the Panthers can put some pieces around him. You know, I'll just use you know Zach Wilson as an example. Now, Zach Wilson um, maybe didn't have the maturity level necessary to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But you look at some of these guys, Sam Darnold, another one, uh, just quarterbacks that were not on great teams that weren't necessarily set up for success and it can be very damaging to the quarterback in fact can stunt their entire career because they're never able to develop at the right pace and then the confidence is lost and they feel like they're playing catch-up for the rest of their career so if he's ready and they can put a team around him that at least gives him an opportunity to be somewhat successful then yes he started him if not i wait a year I let them develop. I let the team get better. I let the coaches get their hooks back in. Like, there's a lot of things that have been changing in Carolina over the last couple of years. Fourth down. Which team threatens the Eagles the most in their bid to repeat as NFC champions? 49ers. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's the Niners. That roster's stacked. But there's an asterisk right there, too. You're an asterisk. Thank you. Um, Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. And Who's, Sam Darnold, too. Oh, boy. Old Minecraft head. <laughs> he, um... Oh. I <laughs> <laughs> <That> got Marsh. I <laughs> uh, got him. The Niners, for me, are a team that everything will rely upon who their quarterback is and if they can do the job. Because we saw last year with a couple of injuries, and they were down to their like backup punter was under center, I think, at the end of the game. I mean, well, it was Brock Purdy without an elbow. Yeah, he wasn't allowed to throw. No. No. So, quarterback, really. Otherwise, if Brock Purdy comes back and he's just Brock Purdy, like the same that he was before, yes, the 49ers are right there. So you say Minecraft head? I was thinking Roblox. Oh, yeah, they're one of the same. Funny. Yeah, yeah they look a little... They're like the same family. Yeah. Almost. They're, uh, they're, they're related. Yeah, mm-hmm. for, for sure. I was going to stay in the NFC West. I think the Seahawks are going to be really good this year. They're surprised last they're year. Be, they're yeah, a solid draft. I, I like think the they progress this season, and I could see them being a sneaky team that ends up just sort of like what the Eagles were this past season, where we didn't really think they'd be the top team in the NFC East or just NFC in general, but you know, throughout the year, we we're like, oh wow, okay, this team is pretty good. I feel like the Seahawks could be that team this upcoming year that could surprise some people. So I'm going to go with them. That's your NFL four downs in the foul line on 101 ESPN. We do have our sports six back coming up in 10 minutes. 314 399 9646 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. So if you've got a question, you can send it in now. But coming up next, how could a cap increase affect the Blues this offseason? And how much? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Next year is where the big rise is expected to go. And some of those gains that have not happened over the last five years because of COVID, four years because of COVID, I think you're going to start to see. So if you're a Blues fan, honestly... Right now, you don't want that cap to go up because you want teams like Boston, like Toronto, like some other teams, have to face some free agency situations 
with players and be pretty much cap strapped. It's next year when it goes up that the Blues are able to play in the sandbox a little bit more. They're going to have a lot more space. So I, I think right now the Blues are setting up pretty well. That was the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, who joined us earlier today in the Fastlane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman kind of poured some cold water on the idea of next year's salary cap getting a significant bump, saying the increase is still likely to be just $1 million for the 2023-24 season. That said, there have been some reports that that number isn't final, and some around the league, Jamie, estimate that the cap could be could be due to go up between $10 million and $12 million over the next three years. Years. So getting on this year, I think is there's not there's nothing the Blues are gonna there's not much the Blues can can do when it comes to the cap. Their cap cap strapped as it is, cap isn't gonna go up. But when you look a year from now, is that when the Blues can can start to add to this roster again from a free agent standpoint? Yeah, I think that I think that that's what Doug Armstrong's been telling us too. He said, you know, we can't just look at the vision as for the 23-24 season, but let's really focus on the 24-25 season. And I think that there's a lot of validity to that. You've got young players that are going to take big strides again. Kairos, Thomases, those guys there. Um, they're going to be a, a year older, more experienced, maybe more well-rounded. Maybe they're 100-point players. Both of them. Because they could be. So now you have a better idea of what you can build around. And so the cap this year... I think it's like a million dollars that it's supposed to go up or originally. I think the NHLPA can negotiate with the owners for that to get up as far as three or four million. I don't know how much that impacts the Blues or even some of the other teams because uh, it, it helps you know increase your depth probably. But as far as like a ringer player, you know, you're looking at five plus million dollars for difference makers in the NHL on the unrestricted market. So I, I don't know how much it comes into play there, and I don't know how much Doug Armstrong would like to put his toes in the water for that. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have to believe your team's a contender to really max out. Um, now, if he thinks his team can make the playoffs, it's also inspiration to, you know, push the envelope a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see ultimately where the salary cap ends up overall, and as far as the Blues are concerned. But yeah, I, I think that this year, this summer is building in towards the right direction. This this is why Doug Armstrong has talked about the 25 to 28-year-old range. Because he's not just isolating next year. He'd like to have players that you can get multiple seasons out of. You know, one of the ba- the the luxuries as you know, Anthony, you just talked about it quite honestly. A a, a quarterback on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. It's where you get your most value because you've got them cost-controlled, you got them at a reasonable price tag, and if they're ready to go and they're good, then that's an absolute bonus for your team. Baseball, the same thing. Baseball, cost-controlled. Another year, team control. How many times do we talk about team control? So the NHL is no different, but the problem with that is unless it's homegrown, most teams aren't trading impactful players that are under team control. So you're looking for those guys who are just on the cusp of becoming a free agent. So Matthew you got Kachuk. Matthew Kachucks of the world uh, and players like such that you know have a year of team control left, but you know or that team knows they're not going to re-sign there or they're not interested in a long-term contract extension. That is what Army's looking for. Army's looking for those types of players or the guys who are hitting free agency for the very first time that are just starting to hit their peak. 
They haven't achieved maximum success yet to where the price tag is, you know, something that's off the charts for your hockey club. So I really like the approach that Army is taking regarding his retool, rebuild of the Blues is to find players that you can still control somewhat under contract, like the Casperi Kapanen, the Jacob Veranas. Those were good deals. They end up helping the, the Blues club, and you got them for another year. Mm. And if you if you don't like that deal, come the end of next season, that's cap space that you will have available to you. If you like what you've seen, now you've had two years with these players, or a year and a half, rather, and maybe they re-up. Maybe they want to stay here. Maybe they want to be a part of the process moving forward, being a part of you know something turning over this team back into a contender. So I, I like the ideas from Doug Armstrong, and it's going to be interesting to see you know, just how much of the cap space he's willing to spend, even if it goes up. Tonight, you can listen to the Stanley Cup Final Game 3, pregame starting at 6.30, following uh, instant replay right here on 101 ESPN as the Golden Knights look to advance, uh, not advance, they take a 3-0 lead, or can the Panthers get back in it? You can listen to it again right here on 101 ESPN. We've got our Sports 6 back next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. 503, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions. Question number one. All right, we got a question from the 636. Uh, obviously, we did NFL four downs not too long ago. So speaking of NFL four downs, this listener wants to know, when can we expect another Gridiron Guys podcast? Oh, well, thanks for asking, first and foremost, and thanks for listening. So, Carrie, Carrie Davis, my uh, co-host on the Gridiron Guys podcast, he just started, he's the uh, head coach at Hazelwood Central, so he just started morning workouts and that's the only time with his his schedule with the opening drive uh, and my schedule with the, the fast line, we, we typically aim for about 11 o'clock. So he's, he's running practices this week at 11. Next week, we plan to get into the studio together and we'll crank out a new one. And we try to do one each and every week. Thanks for asking, though. Question number two. From the... 636, do you guys think the schedule reconstruction really brought how bad the Cardinals are to the forefront? I think the bad pitching and not preparing for it. <laughs> I'm I'm trying not to be flippant by saying that, but I think the bad pitching is is what it has exposed the Cardinals. It has, it's not the it's not the schedule. It's not the schedule at all. You've lost to the teams you're supposed to beat too. Or you got you just got swept by the Pirates. By the Pirates, yeah. Like and like so yeah, no. I don't believe that's had an effect on them yet. I think bad baseball has had an effect on them. I understand the question because we we did talk about it when we knew that it was going to be a balanced schedule and they were going to have less cracks at the Pirates and the Reds and the Cubs. Thank God. Right? <laughs> Those teams are good now. I, so I understand the question, but no. It, it, you've, you've been outdone by your pitching. This front office overvalued or miscalculated how good the starting pitching was going to be and it has completely cost you 
So that that has cost you more than the schedule. Question number three. From the 5-7-3, the Lions finished 9-8 and and nearly snuck into the playoffs last season. What are realistic expectations for them for this upcoming year? Super Bowl bound. Let's just be honest here. They're in a division that they're going to absolutely beat the piss out of all over the place. Nobody on that, in that division is any worry at all. So um, that's just starters. Secondly, it's a weak conference. They only have a couple of teams that they got to worry about. Uh, and three, I saw Dan Campbell literally eating a whole plate of raw meat the other day mm. just because. And uh, He wanted to be a lion. Yeah. So let's just be honest here. It's Super Bowl or bust for these guys this year. Anthony, your thoughts? Uh, we we crush we crush Marshy's Vikings all the time for having a, a terrible defense. Mm. They actually gave up fewer fewer yards. Granted, it's only four yards fewer, but fewer yards defensively last year than the Detroit Lions. No team yeah, in the, the Lions league. were an absolute sideshow up until last year. No team in the league gave up more yards on average than the Lions. They've got Aiden Hutchinson. I don't know if they've got a complimentary pass rusher outside of him. Like, they've got very good talent, but do they have talent that's going to take the next step? That said, to Jamie's point, it's a weak conference. The quarterbacks in that conference are either past their prime or are coming off injuries or are injured or just complete garbage. So I think the expectation should actually be the Lions make the playoffs, and I, I think that's a fair expectation. If you want to be like this team that everybody loves and, hey, look at the Lions. Look how well they did a year ago. They did. They bounced back. They still didn't make the playoffs, though. So the expectation now should be to take that next step. Whether it's a wild card or you win the division, the expectation should be make the playoffs. Anthony, you talk about the Lions' defense. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> Point differential. Okay? Yes. Uh, the Lions were plus 26 point differential. Mm-hmm. Tell me what the closest team in their division was to them on point differential. Tell me what number. Never mind the team. Just give me the number. Um, one. I think I know. Go ahead. Like a plus one or something. I think it's. I think you're close. I think it's like plus four. Yeah, not one team was positive point differential. Oh, wow. Minus one was the closest, and that was the Packers. Minus three, the Vikings. Minus 137 for the Bears. That's a tough one. Everybody loves the Bears, too. The Lions, you know what? I'm out on that. I'm so, we can all agree here. Nice little, little circle of trust. I'm out on the Bears. Oh, yeah, I never, I will I never always was be out on them. Everybody loves them. Why? Because Justin Cause just, Fields could be... You know why, Marsh? Because Justin Fields won won some people some fantasy games last year. That's why. That's exactly why. And I'm being compl- I'm, I am being a jerk right now, but this is how Just I now. think. Th- I'm, I'm always a jerk, but I'm gonna especially be a jerk right now. Is Touché. that good, Jamie? You good there? Better. Thank okay. you. Okay. Justin Fields won some people some fantasy leagues last year because he can run. What evidence do we have that this guy can take the next step as a passer? I think the evidence is that Jalen Hurts did did it this year, so people think that right that Jay- he can do it because they. I mean, Jalen Hurts the year before was progressing, mm-hmm. showed signs that he could take that next step, and yes. he did. So I think people might think that Justin Fields can do the same. I feel like just Jalen Hurts has better players around him. He's got be- he's got a better offensive line. He's got better, he's got coaches. better defense. He's got better coaching. He obviously has better wide receivers. I know they added DJ Moore. But at just adding DJ Moore is not going to do it for Justin Fields. 
You're right, Marsh. Better better line, better defense, get the ball back, better better spots. Jalen Hurts works his ass off. Mm-hmm. He's got great receivers. He's got a great coaching staff. Oh, well, you know, you did. Justin Fields could take the same step that Jalen Hurts. No, it doesn't just work that way. And they're the Bears. And they're the Bears. They always find ways to screw it up. Bear down. That's Arizona. Right? Arizona? Bear down. Bear down? No, bear down. Bear down Chicago Bears. Bear down is the uh, Arizona Arizona Wildcat uh, slogan. Why would the Wildcats be bearing down? I have no idea. The text line could probably help fill us in. because Does it date back to the Roman times? Maybe. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe. Question number four. Anyways, the Lions aren't making the playoffs. Uh, from the oh God. 314. Please. Are the cards not good at development because they try to tinker too much? Watch the Reds game, and Larkin was talking about how a coach said they don't want to mess with Ellie at all and let him play how he plays to not make him start thinking. Okay. I don't think you need to tinker with him. He's hitting baseballs out almost out of the stadium. Every team, I'm just going to say this, Anthony, while you regain your composure, okay? Every single team tinkers with their damn players. They do. Not one player steps off of whatever field they were at the year before and jumps into being a major league baseball player and nobody works with them. Oh, he's fine. He's fine. No, he's not. Even Perez, I guarantee they've been working with Perez on something in the minors. Either improving something, adding to his strength, or switching something a little bit. Every player has to develop. Even your guys who are perennial all-stars continue to develop and tinker. I don't understand that this take at all. It stems from jo- what Jordan Walker it does, said. Anthony. It's a narrative. It's a narrative that people are buying because they want the far- the, the front office to be fired. Let's just, let's just be honest about that. You're looking for something to justify your feelings for the front office to be all let go. And guess what? You have better examples, i.e. Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen, i.e. Randy Orozarena. Who hit a walk-off home run yesterday. I.e. Adolis Garcia. And I'm not. I'm not saying this is. Not, some of this isn't fair. I mean, Rangers let let Garcia go too. They clearly didn't know what they had. But you have better examples than the Cardinals are tinkering with these these young guys. They're screwing them up. If that's the case, then why is Nolan Gorman having this breakout season? You can't have it both ways, guys. You can't say that Jordan Walker is being ruined by the Cardinals and Nolan Gorman is just a baseball god. He figured it out in the off season. <laughs> like, come on. That's a really good point. We do this all the time where it's like, where's my narrative? Where's my... There it is. Got it. This fits how I'm feeling. Just because the Cardinals let you behind the curtain a little bit. Because they said, well, we're not thrilled with the launch angle. or he right. needs to improve. So Why should they say anything, Jamie? That's a great point. At the end of the day, I'd say, hey, you know what? Um, we want him to get more at-bats. And up here right now, we're not sure. This, that. And if I was a Cardinals, as I'd say from now on, oh, no, he's fine. He's perfect. I wouldn't switch a thing. We just need him to get more reps. There right. you go. And by the way, the tech, the, the question, it's a good question based on the what you're hearing now. It, so this my my response, Jamie's response, it has nothing to do with the question. I understand the question. 
it, but this let's let's be real here. This is a narrative. Yeah. Every to Jamie's point, every play it's it's development. Think about it this way. Jordan Walker, top prospect. All this raw talent coming out of high school. Jordan Walker makes it to the big league level, does not pan out. Doesn't pan out after a couple of years. And the media asked the Cardinals, hey, what went wrong in his development? And the Cardinals respond with, well, we didn't want to touch him. We didn't want, we didn't want to screw anything up. What would we be saying? Why didn't you work give him the proper tools to succeed? Thank you. Why didn't you develop Why him? Why didn't you develop him? Why didn't the you Cardinals work? are bad at developing players. Right. So let's just be let's just be honest. Marty always goes to that voice. I yeah, I like it though. I like it's it. It's not like me talking to somebody else. Of right. You got yeah, you got to alter ego. You got to dif- differentiate that, <laughs> yeah. right? The, the Twitter trolls. But let's just let's just be real. You don't you don't want the front office to succeed at at anything. You want them gone, which is fine. But let's just be real about that. You want John Mozeliak and whoever to be let go. You want them to be fired. So Jordan Walker says something like this. It gives you fuel. There are Again, there are better examples of that. Next. Get a text from the 314. Damn it, Anthony. Feed into my narrative and tell me that Mo <laughs> must go. <laughs> text of the day. Question number five. All right. Well, from the well 314, which team has a better chance of getting back into the series, the Panthers or Stalter's Heat? Heat, baby. <laughs> Miami Heat. That's a good one. Heat. Heat. Oh, okay. No. It's the Heat. It's the Panthers. Clearly. No. Come An- on. Anthony loves teams next to water. You ever notice that? <laughs> it's the Sharks. The Giants. Uh, the my, Tigers aren't by water. The Red Wings about, aren't by tight. Lake Michigan. Any Detroit team the is The Falcons in. aren't really. The Falcons. I mean, Lake but, Lanier is close. There you go. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. It's Jim. a great so spot. <laughs> and Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan is on the other side. That Chattahoochee River is nearby, too. <laughs> Lake Michigan's on the other side, too, of Detroit. What? Of Michigan. Well, the water goes right between Windsor and Detroit. Nah, you're wrong. <laughs> you're right. What would I know? I have, <laughs> hey, I can't speak on geography. I didn't know the four points. So gotta go to the other side. Um, it's more water over there. It's definitely the Panthers. It's Traverse City, you know, it's all water. Well, there's no there. water up there at all. No, that's what I'm saying. There's water on the other side of the yeah, state. Yeah. Yeah. Good good point, Anthony. Now, does it hover around like Jamie's talking about? Absolutely. <laughs> but uh I needed I needed that point that Marsha just made to yeah. die on the vine. Mm. So Question number six. Might as well. Uh, from the 618, this is in all caps. Is Mike Bossy the best goal scorer ever? Man, it's hard not to think that he could be. I think he, what did he play? 10 years at 500 goals? I think it's, I think that's what his numbers were. He scored, I, he scored 50 goals in every season he ever played, I believe. So it's pretty tough. And he, his career was cut short. Because he had a bad back, had some injuries, and, and so he, he kind of had to retire early. But he was an incredible goal scorer with a really good team with the New York Islanders when they were going on a tear. But, yeah, you look at here, 573 goals, 53. He, he had his last season in 86-87. He did not get 50 goals. He had 38 
But his totals were 53, 69, 51, 68, 64, 60, 51. Like, this is a perennial 50 goal scorer, including his rookie season. He certainly, percentage-wise, with 573 goals in 752 games. Think of that for a second. That's incredible numbers. Absolutely. He certainly... I don't know if I can say he's the greatest because there's so many incredible players, but he's one of the greatest goal scorers ever in the NHL, for sure. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Thank you for your questions to the Sports Six Pack. For the, for the Sports Six Pack. Is having Jordan Walker lower in the lineup her, actually hurting him? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. In 10 minutes, we're going to have our biggest question of the day. If you want to leave us a mic drop on that, love to hear from you. Mic drop feature via the 101 ESPN app. Jordan Walker, the man, the myth, the legend. Some people are suggesting that hitting lower in the lineup is actually hurting him. What do you guys think? You think you should move him up, give him a little bit more protection, see if you can unlock some of that raw potential? Well, when I look at the beginning of the season, this is exactly where he was hitting. And he put together a 12-game hitting streak, and everybody thought, oh boy, oh boy. Why would you move him? Leave him there. No pressure. So I don't know. I mean, overall, my feelings are, you know my feelings. Why not move some guys around a little bit? You've produced very little offense here recently. Alec Burleson saved your keister last night with a solo shot in the eighth inning. Why not move it around a little bit? Mm Mm-hmm. Do I think he absolutely should be up like in the two hole or, you know, three hole in between Goldie and Arenado and that protection that they talk about? I don't know. To me, he doesn't look, uh, he doesn't look all that comfortable a hundred percent of the time right now in the batter's box, but you know, is he getting pitched around a little bit? He is chasing. That's the, that's the case. So it's like. You put him up in the three-hole, let's say, and then what if it's a, a wasted at-bat? I think what you just said is key. He can chase in the eighth spot. He can chase in the three spot. But is he going to be getting those pitches, though? I think they're going to pitch him the same way regardless. I think so, too. Because they have a book on him right now. Yeah. And they're watching his chase rate on certain pitches oh, in certain not, areas. It's not great. No. You know what I'm saying? That's my only take on that right now. If, if he was getting struck out in different ways or he was just – hitting the ball or unlucky or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you could say, okay, you know what? He's getting some pitches to look at and he's you know, he's he's having some loud outs, as they call it. I don't see that right now. He did put one in the upper deck the, the other day where that was a monster shot. That's what his that's what his potential is. But I don't necessarily think that putting him up right now on top of the order makes a difference or makes sense. When when the pitcher was still there, the eighth spot was actually kind of a tricky spot because you're hitting in ahead of the pitcher. The opposing pitcher knows, okay, I got the pitcher up next. I don't have to give this guy much to hit. The eighth spot was kind of a it was kind of a bad spot to hit. Now with the DH, the universal DH, 
you don't have to worry about that. So I don't think I don't think there's a major disadvantage to hitting eighth now. I would leave him down. I don't think his his struggles are correlated with hitting eighth. I get the idea of moving him up, but who I mean who's who's benefiting from hitting earlier in the year? You you can struggle anywhere in the lineup. You can thrive anywhere in the lineup. Has Paul DeYoung been better? You know, hitting th- he hasn't hit third much. He's got a couple of opportunities uh, clean up. Cooled he's cooled off. He's been seventh. The king has cooled off a little bit here too. He I has. don't think there's a drop for that. But he's <laughs> <laughs> but he's hit, but he's the hitting seventh mostly. Cooled off, right? Yeah. So I, I don't think I don't think a lot. The key to unlocking Paul DeYoung was moving up. No, he actually stayed seventh. So I think with Jordan Walker, it's about pitch selection, pitch recognition. Understanding that there's certain certain way certain uh, ways that, that opponents are, are are attacking him, and this is just part of the process. Twenty one years old or a veteran at you know twenty eight years old and MVP. It, th- this these are ways that big league pitchers are trying to get him out right now. So no, I don't think moving him up in the lineup is going to unlock him, and I don't think he's being hurt hitting in the line, hitting lower in the lineup. I mean, there's a lot of people on the text line right now that are, you know, they want him second, Goldie third, Arenado fourth. I I mean, if he was making better contact, if he was having better at-bats, I could see doing that. But you don't just do it just because. You got to get on base if you hit second. Sad, the second spot. That's the, kind of, that's the type of player he is, though. You know, Is he, it the type of player he can be or that he is? I think that's the type of player that you drafted and what we saw in spring training. He was hitting up in the lineup spring in spring training. training. I know it's different, uh, but the Reds did something similar. They put they put their young studs right there and smack dab, ready to go in their lineup, and they produced. But, you, th- but the Reds don't have Goldschmidt. They don't have Arnado. The Reds, no, they, for sure. They've got nothing to lose. Right now, the, the, card, the Cards need to do something. Their offense is stale. I, I think Jordan Walker in the two hole is the answer. It might not be the answer, but I think you have to look for answers, and that could be one of the answers. Maybe I don't know. I think you need to switch something up, though. I don't disagree with the, that. Can copy and paste stuff they're doing right now. I mean, I, it's just it's just a it's just an idea. When you when uh, so do you know who who leads right now? Let's play a little game. Do you know who leads in on base percentage for, for, the, for Cardinals? the Cardinals? I think it's is it Brendan Donovan on base. I, oh, no. I'd say Newt Bar. I, it might or be, Tommy Edmond. Might be Nolan Gorman. <laughs> Go ahead. It's Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, oh yeah, that was probably a, oh, he geez, leads us. He well, leads the, the question team. was misleading. Uh-huh. <laughs> it really was. It was direct. Who, no. who leads the Cardinals in on base? You, you like winked very, at us. You're like, very direct. That's what you said. Like, you, you, know? you looked at us. You're like it's not Paul Goldschmidt. And so we we didn't really. <laughs> An excellent on-base percentage is 390. Paul Goldschmidt, his on-base is 385. Oof. An average on-base is 320. Jordan Walker's 317. He can't hit second if he's if he doesn't have a higher on-base. Second the, to if you want to go by just kind of setting the most optimal lineup. Your your leadoff hitter on somebody that's going to be on base, sees a lot of pitches, doesn't mind working account. I think Donovan, Brendan Donovan, or Lars Newbar are fine for that spot. Two hole, somebody that's going to get on base and deliver power. It's kind of kind of got a combination of both. Paul Goldschmidt's your best two hole hitter. 
third, now you're getting into RBI opportunities. Fourth is is fourth and fifth is RBI opportunities. Then you can kind of go from there. If you want to repeat the lineup over again, six spot can be somebody that has a combination, you know, six and two, right? Or kind of that that spot, high on base and driving driving runs. I don't think Walker moving up. Shake it up. You can shake it up, but I oh, give it a look. Like if you want to give it a look, and one of our texters brings up an interesting point here from the three one four says versus left handed pitching Walker should hit second, and right handed pitching Gorman should hit second. So, listen, if we're gonna play that game, fine. You you face a lefty the next time, you want to give it a shot. Go ahead, get a look at it, see what it looks like. I mean, there's no harm in trying because your offense is is not good right now. Yeah, you can lose. You can lose in a variety of ways. <laughs> you can lose with any lineup. Yeah, I mean, or you could win. You know, Anthony, that's option two. Which, you could lose in any lineup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Biggest question of the day next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. And our biggest question of the day comes from Clayton, who left us a mic drop earlier today. Hey guys, Clayton here. Love the show as always. Thank you. What do you guys think about this whole thing being part of the coaching carousel that's been going on here? Mike Matheny left. Mike Schilt stayed. Then he's gone. Philosophical differences. I mean, you not to mention you've lost Greg Maddox and Jeff Albert over the course of a year. They keep hiring from within the organization. I think we've done enough of a coaching carousel within that I don't think we have the kind of coaches we were expecting. I think, I mean, even in general, I've heard this before too. uh, Some of the guys that we have now, Dusty Blake was going to overshadow Mike Maddox this season and then Mike Maddox left. Turner Ward was the assistant to Jeff Albert, but I don't know how good he's been. I don't know much about Joe McEwing because he was out of my um, generation as a player, I guess. So I kind of want to know your guys' thoughts. How much do you think all this is actually more the coaching? And do you think we'll have to suffer with this for a few years until the coaches get more experience and learn a bit more? I'm trying not to be harsh here, but thanks, guys. I think that, Clayton, thank you so much for the the well-thought-out question and just kind of telling us how you, what, what you're thinking. Here's Here's my opinion on this. One, you do want cohesion from top to bottom in any organization, in any business. Jamie, you're a business owner. You know this. You as the owner, you set the tempo, and you want cohesion. If the guys that are coaching for you at SynergyHockeySkills.com, if the, if the coaches at Synergy Hockey aren't preaching your message, how you want it to be done, then they have to go. And I th- I'm pretty sure that you you have had coaches that have worked under you that know how you want it to be done on the ice to communicate your message throughout the course of your camps. You have to have that synergy at SynergyHockeySkills.com. Well you have to have that synergy from top to bottom. So I don't think it's bad at all that the Cardinals have had synergy when it comes to their coaching staff and promoting from within. It also creates this these opportunities that if you're if you're in Peoria or if you're in Memphis and you're part of the coaching staff you're part of the you're part of the program you're part of the organization that you're working towards something hey the cardinals do promote from within they are loyal to their guys where 
where we might be seeing an issue is perhaps you're getting you're not getting enough of that conflict that that good healthy conflict sometimes when an outsider comes in and says look here's some of your weaknesses right now this is what i'm seeing from from an outside viewpoint this is how i change some stuff and then you have that healthy conflict it can produce good results so maybe the cardinals are missing that big picture for me clayton asked do you think we'll be seeing this and have to suffer through this for the next couple of years you're going to suffer through this for the next couple of years if you don't properly invest more in your pitching staff that is a bigger problem to me than whether or not you need an outsider to come in as a manager that's just my opinion yeah uh i i agree with everything you said i'm gonna maybe take a little bit of a different angle at it here i'm a big believer in you need different eras of baseball represented on a staff uh, because the game is continuously evolving and what i mean by different eras is you need a grizzled vet on there and that plays to your point of maybe there's some healthy conflict in the room and maybe it turns out to be unhealthy maybe this is why people have left the organization i don't know okay i don't know but when i look at dusty blake and anthony i'm not in the clubhouse mm-hmm. i'm not in the bullpen um, he's not my pitching coach i don't know from everything i hear he's a really really smart guy but you need a grizzled vet somewhere in there like when you're struggling do you turn to the young guy that has all the numbers or did you want to go to the old guy who's seen this through it thousands of times and can tell you different ways to get out of it Mm -hmm. or focus on one thing we had leo mazzoni on i believe on monday it was and although some of our listeners might think leo's maybe a little too old school fine fine bring it on and this is why i think mike maddox and dusty blake were a really good combination last year and years before because there was this healthy conflict maybe of opinion overall Mm -hmm. or let me rephrase it conflict conflict of opinion in certain situations but overall the philosophy was the same so and i'm not just isolating dusty blake i'm not i'm just using him as an example to me there's too many um younger or new-ish coaches i think you should have held on to or went and got somebody with a healthy background of being a manager in the game or a long career as a player so skip schumacher last year being the bench coach with ollie i think that was a really healthy balance skip schumacher not an old guy but played a long time very successful major league baseball career so if ollie had a decision that he was going to make and skip didn't think it was the best decision he'd tell him Mm -hmm. or vice versa they'd have that healthy conflict mike maddox i'm sure had different points of view uh, at times right now i feel like it's just such a a newbie club that you're like uh, who is really kind of driving the bus here yeah and when you're a team that's struggling the players kind of feel that too they're looking in certain directions to kind of 
feed off of the knowledge of what's going on there. So that's just my opinion. Again, I, I'm not in the clubhouse. Uh, I, I'm not on the field with these guys. It's just my outsider's perspective looking in. We do get a text about Willie McGee. Willie McGee is fantastic at what he does. Willie McGee is not a voice. He's not that guy who wants the spotlight. He's not the guy, and this is just what I hear from people who have played with him and who have played for him. Willie McGee is excellent at one-on-one coach, that one guy with a couple outfielders out there doing his thing. He's a teacher. He's not necessarily a vocal leader. So I don't know if Willie McGee is going to walk into the clubhouse and and go into Ollie's office and say, man, I don't like what you're doing here. I I just don't know that of Willie McGee. Maybe he is, but from what I understand, he's not. That's kind of my thoughts on all this all right that's your biggest question of the day in the fast lane on 101 espn thanks for everyone who helped sell out this year's big league impact swinging for impact event with adam wainwright this sunday evening at top golf even though swinging for impact is already sold out there are still many upcoming opportunities to help support big league impact including their cardinals london watch party it's all happening saturday june 24th at patios hosted by the opening drive you can find out more about the cardinals london watch party at patios Right now at 101ESPN.com. What you missed next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, you can download the podcast at 101ESPN.com. Your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Spent the first hour, their Cardinals Power Hour with Brad Thompson. Here on 101 ESPN. Talked to Chris Kerber as well. Did a little football today. Talked about Dalvin Cook being released by the Minnesota Vikings. Had an interesting discussion whether or not the Cardinals have hurt their brand this year. And uh, Jordan Walker, whether or not he's being hurt by batting later in the lineup marsh what do you got for criticisms and compliments yes anthony we're going to start with uh the 636 i'm not sure if this is a criticism or a compliment Ooh, these are fun try to guess <laughs> andrew marsh out here it's sounding like andrew brand oh that's a that's a clear that's compliment. a clear compliment. okay yeah. Just, yeah, I, I thought maybe it would be a compliment but uh, i mean it is within the confines of this studio for sure otherwise maybe not but it doesn't matter I mean, Andrew Brand. The question was asked while we're in the studio. Yeah. Andrew Brand is basically the wisest man ever. Well, yeah, that's why I was go- it was going through my my head, but you know, I just wanted to make sure. So, hmm. um, yeah, so uh, we did not get to do the wheel today. Oh, yeah. Because there's no game. Wheels over over go for. Over, yes. Wheels um, over too. We got a text from the 314. Hey guys, seriously, this is not a joke. Me and my friends actually bet on how the Cardinals are going to lose a game. It's four of us. We all pick a way that the Cards will lose the game. For <laughs> instance, you last what? night, <laughs> for, for instance, last night I said that I believe uh, that, well, hang on, I said that they would have uh, believed, maybe there's a typo, the closer would blow the game. Of course, that didn't happen. But one of my friends said that they would lose the game by defensive miscues. And this was 
yesterday. I meant to bring this up yesterday. So it happened game two of the Rangers series. They would lose by defensive miscues, and he ended up winning the pot. We play $5 a game, and this is the only way that we have a good time watching the Cardinals game. <laughs> wow. A lot to unpack there, Anthony. No kidding. First off, uh, how do you feel about being responsible towards this negative gambling ring? Like, the negative uh, hey. thoughts of it. Hey, uh, Jamie, I am not responsible for anyone's uh, feelings, thoughts, or desires. Okay. That's number one. Huh. Okay. What's well, number two? Yeah. <laughs> what these fine gentlemen want to do with their time, I support it. I think it sounds fun. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, we're in here doing it. We're yeah. not gambling, but we're doing the same right. thing. Yeah. We're spinning the wheel. We're still playing with Lady Luck. Know what I mean, Jamie? By the way, uh, we we spun the wheel yesterday for our guy, Bill, who uh, wasn't able to make it to beat the streak. Yeah. However, he did win. Yeah, he got on the board, man. You're welcome, Bill. Yeah. So we'll see him tomorrow. Jamie won't because Jamie's going to be gone. Yeah. So let's see here. I will see the lineup tomorrow, boys. I will text in. My yeah, beat the streak guy. Yeah. Now, if you don't text in, who's on the bump for um, Cincinnati? Cincinnati. I can tell you right now. Uh, I think it's I think it's Ben Lively. Is he a righty or a lefty? He's a righty. I'll take Gorman. Okay. <laughs> there how you did, go. There's I no mean, way he's not playing. How did we? How did we not know that? Yeah, Ben Lively mm-hmm. tomorrow. Jordan Montgomery takes the hill for the Cardinals. Game one. Mm-hmm. Against and the he's my home run guy. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to pick him before Jamie's up. No, you can't do that. Yeah. Marsh, I'm not going to be here to defend myself. Dan McLaughlin You're filling savage. in for Jamie Rivers. Don't forget we had Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final, 630. See ya! You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.